Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're going to be talking about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Where do they go? Where are they now? Cut that joke. Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello. Hi. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 264-264. Last week was a lie. It wasn't our last episode. You said that last week. I, I know. <laughs> I'm saying that I was lying. We're going to continue on with episodes that aren't our last ones, then, and make sure that's yeah. very clear to everybody. 275 might be it. We're not sure yet. 275? <laughs> <laughs> coming up. Well, yeah, it's coming up. Uh, but anyway, this week, uh, we are talking Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. And where to find them. Yes, all of that. The uh, the first of apparently five spinoff movies from the Harry Potter universe. Um, and... So yeah, we got we got that coming. And joining us today to discuss uh, Harry, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, and the Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them, um, we have oh, from nice save. yeah, I tried, I, I did my best there. We have uh, from Fast Film Reviews. He's no Madge. Sorry, let me say that again. I I, uh, I wrote this. I wrote I, I wrote this two days ago. Hold on. <laughs> and joining us today, we have from Fast Film Reviews. He's a no Madge with a mustache. It's Mark Hoban. Hi everyone. See, worth it. And also joining us, we have from Endor Express, capturing all these beasts on camera and posting them, hashtag no filter, it's David, yeah. Hello, hello. David, Mark, glad to have you both back here. Great to be here. Are you excited about talking Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? And where to find them? <laughs> Super excited. Talk some magic and some no mag. Exactly. Uh, but before we get to all that, let's go over some show notes stuff real quick here. A uh, new commentary track. New commentary track is on the way. We do a commentary track every month, and uh, we've been uh, it's been a busy, busy few weeks here. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving. It's about to get a little more busy, but we'll see what we can. Uh, yeah, you're crazy. See what we can pull off here um, in the the throes of all these holidays that are about. I to hope everyone's excited us. for Ernest Saves the Christmas. We got some time that's, on that uh, one. The commentary. It, yeah, that's that's not going to be the commentary, but, um, but it no, could be. We it won't be. We have one coming. <laughs> it won't be an Ernest movie, I assure you. <laughs> but yeah, we have that going. Let's see what else. iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. It helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, uh, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Give us a star rating and perhaps uh, write up a thing or two to give us a written review of some kind. That'd be uh, greatly appreciated. Yeah, very much so appreciated. Thank you very much in advance. And, uh, all right, well, with that out of the way, let's get to some know everybody. Reach week, we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, or better get to know no everybody. Know everybody. I think we all nailed that one this week, guys. I think that was... That I was, think so. That was delicious. That's what that was. What? <laughs> it was, uh, voluptuous. No, I don't think that's the term we're going to use there. <laughs> speaking, of delicious de- <laughs> speaking of delicious, though, can any of you guys bake... With a recipe or just like dreaming things up like in uh, just in that gen- one either way. Sure. Yes. yes. Yeah, you got Yeah. Just any, turn it on. Any specialties? <laughs> Lemon squares. Yeah. Mm. 
No specialties. Uh, <laughs> whatever you whatever you give to me, I'll probably be able to uh, to make the best rendition of it that I can. Oh, so you're just like a clinical by the book kind of guy when it comes to baking, Abe? No, I, I generally like to uh, use a little bit more flour and a little bit more sugar than general in <laughs> than they they request. But you know, art it's an art. Abe, is there a bun in the oven? What can I say? There is a hot dog bun. Those are delicious, by the way. Just plain, Damn. just plain hot dog buns. Well, it's rich uh, in bunly goodness. <laughs> you know, I've actually, you know, adding on to this, everybody that I'm. Uh, that's a good question. I've never actually eaten at Cinnabon before, which is uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just wanted to shout that out. Just like that's so weird that I've never had any cinnamon ever in my life. Cut to cut to that uh, like hamster that goes dun dun dun. I don't like, what, <laughs> like, it, like my, with the with the dramatic turn. Exactly. Yeah. My God, you never went to Cinnabon before. These startling revelations. Man. Proud of it, but also I really want to try it out, and I guess I could tomorrow, but I won't. Uh, question for you guys. Yeah. What house are you guys in uh, this Harry Potter universe? I, I've actually never really known uh have you guys ever taken any of those quizzes and what have they where have they placed you i've done shockingly little to none involving my allegiance to harry potter dumb but i do tend to ascribe myself to hufflepuff because it's the most fun to say okay i'm in ravenclaw i took several of those quizzes to make sure and a friend <laughs> and a friend of, yeah I, because i was like feeling i'm i'm probably gryffindor because it's the cool one from the movies and but my friend, who is just a diehard Harry Potter reader and fan, she says, no way, you are Ravenclaw. And what happened was I took a whole bunch of these, like, made quizzes from, like, all these random nerds. Uh, they're cool people, by the way. I'm not <laughs> calling you all nerds. I was like, hey, man, I made one of those quizzes. I, I did. <laughs> but it was like, one was Gryffindor, and then the next one was Ravenclaw, and then it kept on... I kept on getting a tie score, and then finally there was a deal breaker that I just had to settle, and that was Ravenclaw. Hmm. Ravenclaw. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Mark? Uh, this whole conversation is way over my head. I'm sorry. I abstain from the question. <laughs> That's my favorite answer so far. <laughs> Abe, what, what, what are you? Uh, I get a lot of weird things too. Like sometimes I get Hufflepuff, sometimes I get Slytherin, and sometimes I get. What does uh, that mean? You get? What does that mean? You're talking about you I play mean, a game. Some some days I uh, I answer differently on some of these questions, and then what's the other one? Gryffindor I get sometimes too. I, I've fallen more into Gryffindor than anything else, but yeah. like so I, next, I feel... next time, send me this send me this quiz before the the talk, and then I'll I'll let you know. I feel like we should do this. We should take a break and just do this quiz right now. <laughs> Wait, They're so, all over the place. So, so no, one of them is Slytherin, right? No one's mentioning yeah. that. Is that uh, I get that's, that. the, that's the bad well, one. Only that's three like... of us have said anything, and there's four houses. Yeah. So wait. So are these houses? Are they are they handed out by personality or something within the realm, the logic of Harry Potter? Is that how it goes? Know, that sorting hat. The However, sor he decides to to view your thoughts. <laughs> you have a sorting hat. I don't, but uh, I actually would kind of want one. Well, here, here's some know everybody trivia. Anna and I got to see the Sorting Hat when we took our Warner Brothers studio oh, tour. Nice. So Ooh. there, yeah. Exactly. I had an add-on trivia of Cinnabon. You had an add-on trivia of uh, Sorting Hat. Yours is probably better. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right. With all that in mind, and by by the way, we are definitely Mark and I are going to take some quiz to find out what school we're going to belong I'll to. You guys a link. Maybe David seriously can googling it. Yeah, find find this yeah. find this link for us, and I'll I'll slowly yeah, answer David questions as we do this show. Link. We'll send it back to the listeners as well. We'd love to hear what everyone has to reply. That would have been a good yeah hey. now feedback question, but I didn't feedback. think about it. And and Abe, just so everyone is on the record, it's Cinnabon. Oh, it's not Cinnabon with a U. Got it. No. Yeah, no. that that that's made. How, that's, that's how I know I've never been there. I let you. I let it slide because I wanted you to sound like an idiot. That was that was my logic. <laughs> Partners for life, bro. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's how you play. No, no everybody. No everybody. All right. Let's move on now. Let's get that now, quickies. Yep. Yep. Each week on out now we have one movie week that we talk about. Yep. I crushed that one this week, guys. Good, man. Not gonna you're, lie. you're getting really gradient uh, really fast well, and been, enunciating. I was sl- I was slowing it down a bit in the past, oh. and that, that warmed me up to getting it great this time when I went right back to fast again. Yeah. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I did. I watched Moonlight, and uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, uh, I certainly liked that it's uh, methodical in the way that it presents the story, even though it's, it, it's in three phases. Um and it certainly speaks on subject matter that you don't see a lot in cinema, which I appreciated greatly, actually. Um, people of color and also just the, the themes and topics that are uh, discussed in the movie. I think that uh, Mersha, Mer... Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. Man, that guy is terrific in the movie. I think there's this really great conversation he has at a table with uh, Janelle Monet and a young uh, boy. And I just thought, wow, that... Uh, from from the standpoint of the conversation, it's it's a very uh, it's a it's a good deep conversation. But also, he has to act because they they leave the camera on him, and he just has to act with some of his eyes. And it's really good. He's really good. So if you haven't that, seen him, go check out uh, Luke Cage. Um, and he's also going to be coming up in uh, what's the movie about the women in NASA? Hidden uh, Figures. He's also on House of Cards. Mahershala's having a great. He's year everywhere. Yeah, he's having a great year. So Mark, but, yeah. I have to yeah. second that for Abe's uh, call out for Moonlight. I think that's a great film, and that scene, um, incredible, uh, well written scene. Um, there's this great conversation. I'm not even going to go into it, but the the little boy asks him a question, and he answers it with the greatest answer he could possibly yes. give in the yeah. most perfect way. And there's like these looks that uh, they give each other. I mean, it's just so brilliant. I could watch that scene over and over. It should be taught yeah. in acting class. It's so good. Absolutely, I agree with that. So, uh, again, on the whole, Moonlight, I think, is definitely well worth it. Um, nothing flashy about it. It's really just uh, a grounded movie. And uh, I forget the the woman who plays his mom. Naomi Harris. Uh, Naomi Harris. She is fantastic as well. I mean, there's a lot of great acting going on in here. At one point, she's walking out because she's on this drug bender, and she walks out like a zombie. And I was just like, that is... Ooh, that is, uh, you know, it's pretty tough to take in sometimes. But for the most part, um, check it out. I definitely would recommend it. I'm glad you finally got to check that one out. I know we've been recommending it on the show for a number of weeks yeah. now. It's... For a couple of weeks now, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark Hoban, what, are, what other uh, recent movies have you uh, seen you want to point out? So I'd like to uh, call out uh, Tom Ford's latest film. It's called Nocturnal Animals. This is his follow-up to uh, Single Man and... Uh, it stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams, and it has to do uh, with uh, a woman who receives a manuscript in the mail. Uh, it is a book that her ex-husband has written, 
that he's asking her to read. Uh, and she, she starts to read it, and, and as she reads the book, it goes into the story of this uh, tale that he's written. Um, and then, in addition, we also see flashbacks of her life with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays her uh, ex-husband. So there's the past, there's the present, her current life, and then there's the story in the book. And it's really this uh, well-constructed, uh, multi-layered story um, uh, that there's references in the book to the character of Jake Gyllenhaal. He actually plays two roles, so it's it's not hard to figure out that he is also uh, writing about the same um, – writing about himself. But, uh, but there's also a character in the book that's clearly based on Amy Adams, and uh, it's just it's, – it's really a well-written uh, movie. I, I think it's beautifully shot. I mean if, if you've seen A Single Man, you know that Tom Ford uh, – has this aesthetic that's it's it's quite uh, lush and and beautifully photographed and and that also is a, an aspect to this film and that it definitely helps the the movie a lot. Um, it is kind of a polarizing film. Uh, he starts out the movie with these very strange credits yeah, and yeah. there's no there's no there's no context as at, at what's going on and right from the start it's like a slap in the face like what am I watching here. <laughs> And but that's sort of the fun of it. I mean, and there's these there's these characters in the book, uh, and I don't know. I, it's probably better just to go in knowing very little about it, and 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 then just to watch it. Um, and it's one of those movies I kind of thought about uh, for a while, even after I had seen it for a couple of days. And uh, it, the ending wasn't when I saw it. I, it actually wasn't what I had anticipated, and I didn't care for that. And then as I thought about it, I I feel felt like I liked the ending more. Um, so, uh, that's all I'll just say about that. But I, I thought, uh, overall, I, I thought it was really quite well done. I, I, it's, I would say it's even more accomplished, I think, than a single man. I mean, he's, he's attempting more, but at the same time, it's definitely is a movie. I can understand why someone might not like it because it, it is, uh, it, it, it's kind of a, it's sort of an ugly film too. I mean, it's mm. beautiful to look at, but there's sort that's, of ugly uh aspects that's yeah. part of my issue with it i felt very uncomfortable watching the movie i was less enamored by nocturnal animals than than you were obviously you really liked it i thought it was okay um i i gyllenhaal is like very good in it i i was i i, I kept trying to like want to know i i feel like i walked out not knowing what it really wanted to do for me like it, it felt kind of it, it felt empty as far as what it was putting across and the vibe I was getting, and I was talking about this with a friend of the show, Peter Paris, is that it has a lot of Lynchian, quite quality, like a lot of David Lynch in it, it right. seems. It in does. the same way that I think uh, the Neon Demon also had a lot of kind of David Lynch elements and in that, it. That's a, gr that's a great call out. I'll just mention that it, Neon Demon, I actually really like that film too. Um, it Narratively, it's nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just basically girls seduced by the glitz and glamour of the modeling world. Or an innocent girl is, is there's literally nothing. There's more to nocturnal animals to it, but I did like the style of Neon Demon, and and I like the style of this film. The thing when I bring up Neon Demon is like I feel like that movie it had more thematically that I felt was interesting than I ultimately thought Nocturnal Animals had, which is what got to me. I feel like I kind of I got it when I, by the time I walked out on Nocturnal Animals, and it felt more like okay, well, the the story within the story device. I thought there was a it felt like the, the kind of the outside story involving Amy Adams reading this book, I felt like it was just more like a very elaborate way to set up a framing device for me to see this very pulpy neo-noir play out. And 
I enjoyed watching it to its degree, but it's like it did at the same time make me feel just like kind of just feel ugly just watching how this <laughs> how this stuff happened. Now there is there is some there is some you know there's fine acting. It's a great looking film for sure. Well, Tom Ford well, certainly nails though the Michael look. Shannon is mm-hmm. great. And oh yeah, the part. The part that he plays, I, I feel like Tom Ford uh, adapted the the novel for this the mm-hmm. script. I feel like he he tailor made this part for Michael Shannon. I mean, it, it is yeah, a typical it's... Michael Shannon part. It's like he was born to play this type of role, this sort of sheriff, kind of fly by the seat of your pants, not following the rules and. Yeah, he is. He's great. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of very good stuff in there that I admired. I I, I was overall I was less taken by the film, but I certainly. So you had to take a shower afterwards, kind of one of those movies. Kinda, and then I saw, <laughs> I saw M Night Shyamalan split afterwards. I'm like, well, there's also uneasy stuff in this movie. And then you also need to take another shower after that. <laughs> yeah, it seems so. Before we get to what I've seen, David, what have you seen this week or recently? I I watched the latest thing I watched was a documentary called Floyd Norman and Animated Life, and it's on Netflix now, but it's also on DVD and Blu-ray. It's a really great look at the first african-american animator that worked at disney Hmm. during walt disney's day and uh you know a lot of people just didn't think it existed but here he is and it kind of follows his uh career and he's he's still alive to talk about it there's a lot of interviews with his uh current wife and previous wife and other fellow animators that are still in the business today and uh it's it's really great um i really enjoyed it well, a piece of animation history. I'm immediately am adding that to my queue right now on Netflix. I have done so, and there's the plus sign, and I have clicked it. Okay. Well, <laughs> and then Aaron's all like, I'm going to leave this podcast right now to watch it. <laughs> and we're back. Aaron we're back, guys. That was a great, yeah, I really like seeing that documentary. <laughs> it was wonderful. Uh, wow. But no, that sounds really interesting. I, I That's a... Short and sweet recommendation yeah. that immediately convinced me. <laughs> yeah, especially if you like Disney animation and the history of it, and it's uh, it's it's really great. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I've seen a few things. Uh, I, as I've mentioned last week, I've been at AFI Fest with uh, my lovely girlfriend Anna, and we've been uh, seeing a lot number of uh, upcoming movies um, that I've mentioned briefly before, and I'll talk about some of them later on. I feel like when they start actually coming out into theaters, but I will mention some of the new releases or newer releases that have come this way uh mark you mentioned nocturnal animals which i did see this week i've already seen both of the films we'll be viewing next week <laughs> um uh, so I'm, that leaves me with uh two things edge of 17 um the high school coming of age comedy drama with uh, Haley steinfeld um, which is quite good um there's a lot of people that i think that like it a little bit more than i do but i still appreciated what i was trying to do i think it um it has a. I'm going to say this, and it's for a specific reason. It has a, it's rated R, and what I like about that is that it's not rated R because of like crude humor or raunchiness or anything like that. It's rated R just because it has teenagers talking like teenagers. The dialogue is very pointed as far as you know, allowing these people to speak in a way that feels more authentic. Like obviously, there's still like a rhythm to the dialogue because you're not going. <laughs> but the 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 way it's the way the the writing comes out is very strong, and the way the the characters speak, and there's even a, there's a lot of like cringe humor in it as well, which I should I guess I should prepare people cringe for. Humor. There's a lot of like there's a lot of there's a lot of awkwardness as far as people trying you know high schoolers trying to get by. Like there's one character who has a crush on Haley Steinfeld's character, and he. The, the way he has conversations with her is hilarious, but it's also very just like, oh, my God, why would you say something like that? Or, <laughs> there's there's a lot of that type of humor in it, which I thought was I thought it felt, you know, natural to it. And Steinfeld's very good in it. Woody Harrelson plays a teacher in it. He's very good in it. 
Um, there's just a and the um, what's his name the the lead. Um, I mentioned this before. The lead guy and everybody wants some. Blake Jenner. Um, he's very good yeah, in it yeah. as well. He plays her older brother, and he he has some scenes late in the movie where like this guy's really good. Um, so okay. yeah, yeah, I quite enjoyed Edge of Seventeen. Um, the other film I'm going to mention is Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Um, the Ang Lee film no that cult. was the, yeah the Ang Lee film that was um, shot 120 frames per second in 3D with 4K resolution. Um, Given that I am near LA, I was able to see the film in with the, the, in its full glory because uh, I'm near one of the few theaters that's able to do that to see all of these things. Because it, it did get this wide release this week where it's playing mostly in 2D at 24 frames per second, but I saw the 120 frames per second in 3D and this thing. I just I don't like this way of watching movies. I didn't like it with all three Hobbit movies, which I was forced to see in that way. Those are uh, those weren't even 120. Those, those were like are 48. Those are 48 frames per second. This yeah. is this is more than double that. And yeah. How how does it change the look of the film? It makes it look like it just makes it makes it too like hyper real. It makes it look uh-huh. you you feel like you're watching like a rehearsal being shot or like you're like on stage, especially because it's 3D. Like you're on stage, you're like watching like on stage performances that just happen to be set in various locations or whatnot. And there's cutting and stuff. It just I I try to write about this in my review, but I feel like it, it removes the cinema from cinema. Like that's my take on this kind of shooting style. I don't I don't like it. I don't care for it. It doesn't do anything for me. I feel like the I mean, if you don't, the story involves you know this this character Billy Lynn, who's it's based off a novel. It's not based off a true story. It's based off a novel. This character who's he's like a, he's like a war hero of sorts. He did some heroic act over in Iraq, and so he and his crew, his um his company, Bravo Company, they've been brought back to go on like this promotional tour before they go back over to Iraq again. And the film is set like largely on one day, this halftime show during a Thanksgiving Day football game, and it goes gives you flashbacks to like the the scenes where he's doing his uh doing his duty as well as mm-hmm. just some family stuff and the i feel like if they just showed like the 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 war stuff in like the 120 frames i could i could go i could wrap my head around that more because it's trying to make present something to you as like hyper real and really have you living in the moment with them but just the entire film being seen this way it just doesn't feel like a movie anymore it feels like this that answers weird... my question because i was wondering if they were just going to shoot the wartime stuff oh, in no, 120 yeah, everything else is going to be regular it's the entire movie and it just mm. it doesn't feel like i'm watching a movie it feels like this weird like vr video game experience that i have no control over and it it'd be one thing if it was just like the shooting style is not great for me, but the movie's good. But the movie's not that good either. Like the movie, the 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 story is. It feels very been there, done that. As far as seeing a character under, you know, go through PTSD and have a have characters kind of understand their position in the world or whatnot. I I could admire what's trying to be done and whatnot with the characters and everything, but it it feels kind of shallow as far as what it what's spelling out for me. And so the hmm. the you know having that mixed with a you know, a shooting style, which the movie is very much made for. It's not as if, like, they made the movie and they're like, oh, we can do it this way. It's made so you really can try to appreciate the amount of effort that was put into shooting it this way. But it just, it doesn't add up to much. And it's not like, it, it's not making money. So it's like, I'll be curious to see what the, you know, future is down the line for this kind of format. And basically, I'm just waiting for James Cameron to do something because he's the only one that I feel like is, could get it right since he plans to do that for his Avatar sequels. I've, you know, people can doubt people doubted him before, and he seems to pull things off. So I just, I just hope that if if this is a way of the future for film, I hope that there's a way to do it in a way that is more 
visually you know acceptable in my eyes but for now it just i don't like this i don't like seeing movies this way and it doesn't help okay. that the movie's not very good as a whole either so yeah next movie that's all i got actually that's all oh, yeah. okay yeah got those ones uh, there's yeah the other ones that we've i mean i can briefly nice. i mean we'll talk about split probably next year when it comes out when <laughs> but it comes the, out in february yeah. uh like jade i think it's early january, january. like mid-january but uh no, yeah, everything I went then because I saw Moana and Allied, but we'll talk about that next week on our Thanksgiving mm. show. So yeah, all right. So that was that. Now quickies. Jim, let's uh let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about one of the movie's newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, what it comes out, what have you. And this week we have the trailer for the for Ghost in the Shell, the live action adaptation of the very popular anime from 1995, um, starring everyone's. <laughs> obvious choice for the major Scarlett Johansson and uh, I want to start I want to jump straight to David David what do you think of the trailer for Ghost in the Show I I to be honest I really don't know what to think of it it's I'm you know I have too much kind of um, I guess baggage going in with the how the whole casting and the movie going getting on to production and being canceled and then being put on production again you know it's just uh, it's been a stressful journey from as from a viewer standpoint, and I, I really aren't I'm not the best person to to say anything. But visually, it looks cool, but at the same time, it looks like I've seen it before somehow. Um, that's kind of all I can really say. It doesn't really give me too much to really. It doesn't look. Like, it could be a great movie. It looks like it could be. It could be bad. I don't know. It's just a mixed bag of emotions right now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you should probably move on <laughs> to someone else. How about you, Mark? Are you familiar with the anime? I mean, I know of it, but I, I've never read it. So I don't have that connection. Um, I did think that the trailer is visually appealing. Um, I thought, you know, I, I got feelings of Blade Runner. I got The Matrix. I mean, those are good movies. So those references kind of make me think, oh, it could be good. It's directed by Rupert Sanders, who also did Snow White and the Huntsman. I did not like that movie at all. So that's not a that's not a step in on its in its favor. Um, I know one of the writers actually uh, was nominated for an Academy Award for Straight Outta Compton. So that's mm-hmm. good. Uh but then the other writer uh, wrote Street Kings. Street Kings, which is <laughs> not a good bad. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so I, I I I don't have high expectations for it. But I, I did. I thought it visually looked good. So I mean, I I, I will give it a chance. What about you, Abe? Uh, I've seen the anime back in the back in the day, uh, and I enjoyed the anime. But um, similar to something like Akira, where it's like Neo Tokyo and uh, a lot of like war fallout and stuff like that i don't know if the story is going to really resonate in 2017 per se but uh with that being said you know i agree with david it's kind of a mixed bag you know visually it looks very good and uh i'm curious about where the movie is it could be awesome it could be terrible but um i just don't really know i I know that there was like some scene like uh which i'm calling juxtapositions where showing you the anime versus the uh the live action and cool that you guys were able to recreate some of these scenes uh but i don't know i mean i just i'm kind of hopeful i guess but i'm uh, i guess i'll check it out so that's where i am yeah i 
I actually, I only just saw the anime a couple years ago because I was able to review a new Blu-ray edition for it, and I was quite impressed. Like, I, it was neat watching it like after the fact, where because it's a movie that's obviously inspired uh, the Matrix. Like Mark, Mark, you pointed out the Matrix. It's a movie that you can watch the original Ghost in the Shell anime and be like, oh, the Matrix took a lot from this, in addition to like Cowboy Bebop and other things, and mm-hmm. and just like the way the story flows and whatnot. Like I, I liked it. I was I was very I was a big fan of what this thing was doing like i some of the ideas are yeah they're a little like dated or whatnot because you've just seen so many other things kind of take these ideas and do their own thing with it. you can think of something like johnny mnemonic even like as far as like just ra- random because there's like a, what the, the manga that came out in 1989 also just the ideas that it has so watching this trailer for that adapts that movie i i really wanted to not let the whole johansson being cast in this thing as the lead character bother me but it still just feels bothersome it's like why are you here like why, why, why are you like everyone else around you like one of these things does not look like the other is basically the whole thought i had the whole time watching this and, and aaron aaron i just wanted to add that her voice in other movies doesn't bother me but in this trailer it did because yeah it sticks so, out so much right like it's just like why is yeah. this like one white american woman here <laughs> like <laughs> when everything else is not that way it just it's so what's gonna be funny is like if you went to go see this movie and all of a sudden they just play lucy and you're like oh that's interesting you, well that's you know the... where i yeah where i right. thought that i thought that exact same thing when uh tilda swinton in uh doctor strange <laughs> <laughs> yeah same you shame with all of us douche <laughs> and yeah and, and so it's it's just more of more of that now with this and it just to, I, to her credit though i do like scarlett johansson i do and, and, and i like tilda swinton too for that matter so i i mean i i i'm mixed you know but i i i i, I totally understand what you're saying well yeah and it's not yeah it's not a matter of like i don't i don't think she's not talented enough to pull i mean she like ab just mentioned lucy which is you know that movie cribs from something like this right? essentially like goes to the show like even X, like the Ghost of the like this new movie for the, as far as the movie goes, like it looks whatever, it looks fine. Like the the effect, it looks like the money's on screen. I don't, I wasn't a fan of Snow White and the Huntsman either, and so Ru- Ru- having Rupert Sanders being able to show me another like well created uh, CG world doesn't impress me that much if the movie's not going to be that good to be go with. So I like I'm open to it being good. It's just I don't expect much from it, and that goes in addition to just finding it troublesome that. You know, the monetary gain of having Scarlett Johansson here was greater than, you know, making a movie that I'd be more comfortable seeing based off what I know this movie's supposed to be. Even, like, regardless of seeing the anime, the movie's set in, like, a Neo-Tokyo, like you just said, Abe. Like, it's just like, it, right. it's like, why are you here? That's the the constant question well, I, mean, I have. Like, yeah, when you go back and watch, like, stuff like Akira, back in the day, I was actually really scared for the future. Like, when I was watching this as, like, a 10-year-old or whatever, I was like, wow, the future's going to be all robotic and... Everyone's gonna be like in biker gangs, or in this case, like everyone's gonna be like a robot cop with like these very uh, nefarious computer hackers, like mm-hmm. uh, trying to take down the the global world. And it's like this is spooky. Now it's just like uh, I th- I feel as though some of those themes have been presented in movies that we've seen along the way, um, like what you said, Aaron. They draw upon these animes from Japan from way back when, but. I don't really know what it's gonna present. Maybe uh, it'll be awesome. Like again, I'm hopeful. So. That's well, just even am. seeing that, like, I, you know, every time a new sci-fi movie that's, say, in an urban environment comes out, people want to say Blade Runner, and it's like, that's good, like, I'm happy to, you know, see movies that echo that kind of thing if it gets you excited for it, but it's like, 
at the same time, I've seen a lot of movies that echo Blade Runner at this point, so it's like I need something new to get me past it if I'm gonna get like a new sci-fi movie to be excited about. And other other movies have sure. like there's but there's plenty of other sci-fi movies that have excited me and can. Hey been, man, Arrival just came out last week and it was pretty I, good. yeah exactly. But I mean there's so it's like that having great production design only goes so far in this day and age where you have the budgets and technology to do that kind of thing. And so right. and so if I'm seeing like a director who's you know, made a crappy movie and has a couple screenwriters that like maybe have made okay things or whatnot already. It's like, in addition to various casting issues, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, what am I supposed to get out of this? What, especially, out of a, especially from an like an adaptation of an. It's not even like a ripoff of the anime or something. It's just an adaptation of this thing that I know to be a certain way already. And it's like I can take that in some doses, uh, but others, it's like, you really need to justify why this exists here. And so I'm not sure if I right. see that right now. Speaking of things that are adapt, you know, speak of adaptations, and you talked about like the, the split screen juxtap- juxtaposition. I assume we've all watched the Beauty and the Beast trailer, right? Yes. The newest one. Yeah, the new one. Yeah. Unfortunately. Now, David, I know you're not a fan <laughs> of what this one's presenting. You want to go into that a bit? Yeah, you, you know, I I've kind of loved what they did with Cinderella and the Jungle Book, and for the Beauty and the Beast, I was I got really excited when they announced that, you know, all the Alan Menken was going to come back for the music and everything like that. And that's just, I, I love the original animated film. And th- when I saw this teaser the, or the uh, actually official trailer the trailer, yeah, I was, uh, uh I, it looked ugly. It was not, it didn't look good. And, and it just, it shocks me because I wasn't sure why I would start getting nightmares from Chip and Mrs. Potts all of a sudden. <laughs> Not really, but they just they didn't look good. It, and the beast just kind of looks like a very generic looking beast. It doesn't look anything like the animated version at all. And I thought for for them to really want to do the a true tell, retelling of the animated film, I thought it could have been the production design should be a lot better, I thought. And so I'm actually really disappointed. And Kevin Klein for some reason looks really out of place as uh, Bell's father. Maurice <laughs> Yeah, he's crazy right. old Maurice. He's he always just, uh... good for a laugh. <laughs> Mark, do you have any thoughts, on... Mark, you have any thoughts right. on this trailer? Uh, I wasn't really charmed by it. I think it's got the problem of just an over-reliance on CGI. And it's a lot of the same problems I had with Maleficent and the, the use of CGI even on things that don't need CGI. I mean, for example, in Maleficent, they had those three fairies, and they used all the CGI to shrink their heads and everything. When they could have just had three actresses play it. I mean, they don't need to be all CGI. And I feel the same thing about this Beauty and the Beast trailer. The, I agree with David. The the Beast looks. I mean, the Beast is supposed to be ugly, but but it looks ugly in in a in a like a poorly rendered way, not in a in a way that it's supposed to be. I, I don't know why they can't just have a man with makeup and just, you know, do the I miss like Rick Baker and the just just the classic practical effects. I, I really wish they had gone that route and made it like a you know like a sort of a classic um uh telling of this. There's no need for all this, but you know, whatever. I don't I, I I I don't think it's going to I don't know how it'll do box office wise. It's gonna make a gajillion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I have no, I have no doubt about it. And then it, it can go buy it. a bajillion dollar property. It's, it's but I don't, make... It might be one of these situations like Maleficent, where the critics are kind of like, you know, not uh, enamored by it, but the audiences still go and see it. 
I'm in for this movie. Like I, I can I can agree that the that some of the production design is less impressive than I would have expected, especially considering I you know after like Cinderella and the Jungle Book, which I think are very good adaptations. Uh, I think the only possible issue is that because Beauty and the Beast is more beloved than the animated versions of Jungle Book and Cinderella, I think the the slavish devotion to shot for shot remaking it might be an issue that that brings it down ultimately. I, I hope don't that's going to be a shot-for-shot shot remake. It, they're it, adding songs. They're and, add, they're yeah. adding some stuff, but I mean, it, you can you can find the trailer just like they found the Ghost in the Shell trailer, where they have a, a split-screen representation of like what but, what the. Movie what did looks you think like. of? It's hard to tell from a trailer, but what did you think about Emma Watson in in, in what you saw? I have no real opinion either. I mean, about I, I just thought it, it. I, it's hard to to judge. I, I didn't I wasn't charmed. I, I just felt like she's just a woman in a dress and, and she's just mouthing lines. I didn't get anything. I mean even in Maleficent I got excitement out of Angelina Jolie's performance from the trailer. In this I don't I don't get anything. I got excitement even uh, Cinderella I thought was really something special. I mean I think that actually went to another level. Uh, it was quite well done. Um, and I think they got a lot right with Cinderella, uh, and this seems like a, well, I think a, there's a major I think there's more room back. to pl- there's more room to play in Cinderella because it, again it's there's only so much story there with Cinderella, and it gave them the chance to really kind of flesh out the flesh out the stepmother, flesh out the the character more, and do stuff with it. This again, I think there's because the story it's so specific, it has a lot going on. There's more characters, there's a lot more like they they really want to devote themselves to to making that to replicating it. And it is a live action Disney remake. I get it, I guess, but like I, but I'm I am looking forward to it though. I like I, I can some of the yeah seeing like Lumiere and whatnot coming to life via CG. It looks as awkward as I'd expect seeing live action versions of people trapped inside of inanimate objects to be, which looks like torture. Um, but <laughs> but I for one thing, you know, it's not the final film, so I'd imagine the beast effects specifically still have to be you know kind of finished. Um, but I do look forward to what this has to offer. I, I'm, I am hoping that is not another repeat of Maleficent, which is god awful, except for Abe. Yes. Who wanted to give praise to it for some reason. But uh, uh, by the way, did I, I want to ask. Yes, you guys did. Everyone. Yes, you don't you told you tried to talk like that. I, I'm the, I, I was know. the only one. I was the only it one was that was against ago. Maleficent. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. I just you know whatever. I, I want to ask everybody on the podcast: uh, Have any of you seen Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast from 1946? The French. I have it on. I have it a on. A long Criter- time ago. I have it on Criterion, and Anna and I got to see it in theaters last year. Okay, and what did you think of that? It's a fantastic film. It's incredible. Yeah. Like that's how you do a live action version of Beauty and the Beast. And I, I, I realize that Disney is going to make it in their own style, but I mean, they could have sort of used that as a reference and how to render these different things and how you could. There's a lot of different ways you could have gone with this film. Um, I mean, you know, there's a live action musical, and they 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 render the pe- the pots and everything as you know people and stuff. Uh, but I, I just don't think that the, the decisions they made uh, are not good ones. Well, we're going you know, on a two-minute trailer. It's, it's, I mean, as far I, I'd love to see some of this more in context. I think that does help with seeing certain things right. like well, this coming to all life. All you can go by is the trailer. Yeah, it's, it's funny because the original animated film uh, definitely used the, that original Beauty and the Beast as a lot of inspiration for what they did. And uh, it, this movie just. If, it doesn't. It kind of seems to stop exploring other versions of Beauty and the Beast, but just tries to ape the animated version and maybe not try to add anything new to it. Which is well, we do know a couple things. A, we know we know Belle's different as far as her like 
what she wants to be. She wants to be an inventor like her father, and there's going to be new songs or what have you. Like I'll be I'll be curious what kind of what what tr- what approaches they do make that do kind of sideline away from the the animated version. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it out of curiosity. I just, I you know coming off of yes, Maleficent's bad, but I really like Jungle Book and I really like Cinderella. Like I think there's a and I really like Pete's Dragon for that matter too. I mean I think there's a, there's a I have a lot of good faith in what Disney's been doing with these live action remakes lately. Certainly more so than whatever they do with Snow White and the Huntsman outside the. <laughs> but uh, the director of of Beauty and the Beast though, um, Bill Condon. Bill Bill Condon. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's coming off as what his Oscar nominated Dream Girls and Kinsey's really good and Gods and Monsters is really good and of course Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part One and Two. I mean we have those to go with. So. <laughs> those are excellent. More, recent, more recently he did Mr. Holmes. Oh, I was disappointed in that. But I forgot about that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't crazy about it either, but the peop, there were people that did like it. So. Yeah. And the Fifth Estate, which was awful, but. Uh... Oh, yeah, this Bill Condon thing's really bringing me down now. <laughs> so I was all it's on a hile of Kinsey and Gods and Monsters, but now the, the rest of this. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> but regardless, uh, let's see. Ghost in the Shell arrives in theaters uh, March 31st. Beauty and the Beast arrives in theaters March 17th. Uh, so yeah, we got uh, lots of things in March coming out. Um, and yeah, without that said, let's, uh, let's end a trailer talk. Let's move on to our main review for... Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them. Yesterday, a wizard entered New York with a case. A case full of magical creatures. And unfortunately, some have escaped. Teeny, he brought Met home. That's Mr. Scamander. He's lost something I'm going to help him find. We're going to recapture my creatures before they get hurt. They're currently in alien terrain, surrounded by millions of the most vicious creatures on the planet. Humans. That should have been some of the trailer for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's been a little over five years since we wrapped up Harry Potter's cinematic journey. But now we're back in the Wizarding World in a new time period. Fantastic Beasts is set in 1920s New York, and we're here to follow Newt Scamander. Played by Eddie Redmayne, an eccentric wizard with a box full of creatures... Wouldn't you know it, some of them get out, and Newt may now has to find them. He'll have some help from a muggle slash nomadge, a former wizard detective, and a mind reader. But there's also the case of Ezra Miller as the darkest, saddest version of The Flash. It makes for a whole other subplot that involves brooding Colin Farrell and the Magical Congress of the United States, or Makuza. Of course, Newt just wants his beast back. Mark Hoban, where have you been with the, with the Harry Potter films? And where 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 are you at now with this this newest spinoff entry? So I, I'm I like the Harry Potter films. I wouldn't call myself like a, a rabid fan, but I did enjoy the films of varying degrees. And I was looking forward to revisiting this universe. I thought uh, the opportunity to go back to the Harry Potter world was something that I, you know, I welcomed. Um, I. I did. I liked the movie, but I, I didn't love it. And wh- what I liked about it was I thought it was kind of a nice escapist adventure uh, where it gave you the, the, there's not a very strong story. It's kind of a meandering um, tale about a guy who comes to America and his uh, 
suitcase full of creatures uh, is switched and some of the creatures escape and then he spends the part of the adventure trying to collect them. And I thought the narrative did a good job at presenting these different creatures. I think there's a, a lot of uh, little um, – uh, there's a cu- couple. One was this Niffler, which is like a little platypus. I thought he was very cute. Uh, there's like a little twig creature in his pocket that's like a baby Groot. And that was <laughs> that was fun. So, I mean, when the when the film is kind of being light and, and just sort of this meandering story, I was fine with that. I, I, I enjoyed it. It it also has this sort of side subplot kind of about these repressive fascists with this crusader who's uh, against magic, uh, played by Samantha Morton. And this also includes the character of Ezra Miller, which is one of her adopted uh, – she has three children, and, and he's the oldest of them. And it's sort of – I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that it, she, his repressing of his magic is sort of – he makes he's a very sad and, and lonely individual. All of that subplot, I wasn't really crazy about it. It was it was dark, and we can get into the details about what I didn't like about it, but uh, I thought that was sort of like not interesting. But whenever um, Eddie Redmayne uh, is in this sort of mode of capturing the little creatures, uh, I enjoyed it. And he has uh, – there's two side characters, uh, uh, Queenie played by Allison Sudol and uh, Jacob played by Dan Fogler who are wonderful like those two characters i was all about and in fact i thought those those two side characters are even more interesting than the leads the the one played by um eddie redmayne uh who's newt scamander and then he also has this other woman who's an american who's kind of a bumbling uh, member of the wizard police uh porpetina goldstein those two are the leads they're less interesting um and I, I couldn't even understand what uh, uh, Eddie Redmayne was saying half the time. He, he mumbles. <laughs> he's a sort of meek, little, introspective little man. I, I didn't care for his mannered performance. I'm sure he was asked to act that way, so it's probably not his fault, but I thought that was a poor choice. I, it just didn't really warm up to that character. I thought his performance was fine, but I thought the the, the way that he presented himself was he was weird. And and Ezra Miller is weird, and there's there's lots of weird elements. But when Queenie is on on the screen, and when Jacob is on the screen, these side characters are, are really great, uh, and and the and the creatures are great. So overall, I I, I enjoyed it, uh, but I didn't I, it didn't wow me. David. Yes. Are you a Harry Potter fan? I consider myself a fan. Yes. Okay, well, stop right now because I just finished my quiz and I got Slytherin. Okay. <laughs> getting call back, back to, call back, call back. Getting well, we back, can't be friends anymore. Getting, getting back to what we're – it says I'm determined and ambitious. I, I agree with that. Um, and I'm a strong leader. I, I'm nailing all these already. I don't, I don't know what the problem is with these Slytherin folks. And you're going to start bullying all of us all of a sudden. I'm going to write the ship on this Slytherin crew. That's what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> what do you think of this movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of this movie? <laughs> I, I I really loved it. I, I thought it was one of the sweetest films I've seen in a while, uh, the the from start to finish. I I really appreciate what Mark was saying about the different characters and how uh, everyone was you know was either on an A game or a B game kind of uh, the stories. I 
you know, um, I know I'm kind of losing my thought, kind of like Newt Scamander. I really liked his performance. I agree, though. I do need subtitles for his performance. But I feel like it's probably because J.K. Rowling, or Rowling, I think is how you're supposed to say it. Rowling in the she, dough. <laughs> she, she really likes to make characters out of the, the people or individuals who are maybe less popular. And, you know, you could tell that in the original Harry Potter films. It's not the, the bully who gets his way. It's the, it's the person who's a little bit more, who might on the surface seem very weird and unapproachable. He even says himself that nobody likes him. And I think that's probably one of the, I think J.K. Rowling did that all on purpose because mm-hmm. she really supports the, the kind of the, I guess, minority in a set, in a sense. Uh, but I really liked it. I, I liked, uh, I agree though, uh, Jacob uh, Kowalski, played by Dan Fogler, is a the real s- screen t- uh, stealer in this movie. He's, he's so good. And uh, it's just really sweet. I think uh, seeing it from a nomad kind of point of view is really also very fun to see. And I think this movie benefits from not having to be translated from a book, but being directly written to screen. I think it's very helpful, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what else happens. Abe, we've talked about only one Harry Potter on this podcast because our show started the year that Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out. <laughs> and and so we, we got to share some thoughts there with uh, Scott Mendelson. For the first, he was our first, first time we had him on the show was for our Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Yeah. And uh, now... We're back in the wizarding world. And it's we been can, a while. We can find, it's been a while. We can finally get back into talking more about Harry Potter, I guess. I, rec- I As I recall, I think you're you're hot and cold on some of the films, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I am. Yeah, so the the wizarding world of Harry Potter movie versions, uh, I'm kind of hot and cold. I, I definitely like, um, uh, what's the third book? Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban, yeah. I think that was my favorite. Uh, and then Deathly Hallows. Uh, one and two come up there, but uh, yeah, hot and cold on the on the movie universe. I, I definitely enjoy the books, uh, and I haven't read any since. But uh, I, I guess that there was that new one that came out, like the Cursed Child, which was based off of the stage play. Uh, but in any case, uh, for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, I thought it was terrific. I thought it was uh, hmm. capital T for greatly terrific. And <laughs> what I like about it the most. I honestly, I had no, I had no idea what you were going to say about this movie. Honestly, I had no idea. I'm very surprised to hear that. Hmm. I'm happy. Uh, I'm, I'm very yeah. surprised to hear that. No, but what I enjoyed about it a lot is that it is uh, hugely world building. And what I mean by that is, if you take apart the, you know, the the English, uh, UK uh, magical community, you now have this American community, which I love the way that J.K. Rowling introduced a huge slew of. Uh, vernacular to us like nomad which i thought was clever uh you know we have skiotis which is the, did you like you like that word i, I that annoyed me like that nomad, I, I just like, like because well i liked it because uh i'd always known the term muggle right and i was like oh that's cool that other parts of the world would have a different way that they would describe i, I like that it's decidedly american nomad that's such like an american like <laughs> so stupid boring. way to do yeah, it so like, boring. <laughs> but, uh, i like that it was different i just yeah. thought the word was like god i could think of that in two seconds like that yeah, that's completely that's an american thing that's so <laughs> yeah. perfect for like... i think it's just unfortunate that it rhymes with vag and i think that's probably why <laughs> I didn't think about that until now, David. Thanks for ruining it. <laughs> you get no vag. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, yeah, world building I thought was excellent, and I think this is a way that I, I thought it was uh, pretty neat and interesting for J.K. Rowling to come through and continue to expand on the world of Harry Potter and this magical universe, but take it into the 1920s with a completely different setting, and there's nobody around uh, except for maybe one name, and when I heard it on the screen, I actually kind of got choked up a little bit. Um, but uh, with that being said, I, I really enjoyed all of it. That's not to say that the movie doesn't have its problems, because, Mark, I definitely agree with you that, you know, there's there's this other subplot to the movie where whenever they cut away from some of the, the lighter elements, it kind of feels a little bit... Uh, it feels... Not that it's uh, too heavy, but it just it just really kind of takes you off from this high to this other low. Uh, but what I appreciate about the movie, and Aaron and I, we both love Paranorman and what like it does, is they don't really tone down things for a prospective audience, per se. And I enjoyed that there was some dark elements to this movie, because J.K. Rowling is all about that. You know, there's uh, folks that uh, you really care about in the books that don't make it through the, through the the last chapter. So, um, and I also agree with David, which I, uh, he had brought up that J.K. Rowling likes to focus on characters that might not be the, the main story. You know, Harry Potter has the name on all the movies and all the books, but quite honestly, Neville Longbottom is quote, is the hero of Harry Potter. He's the person who finds the sort of Gryffindor. He's always there that, uh, to, uh, help that trio out. And, he gets his credit where credit is due. People have recognized that as well. But, you know, just David's point of she likes to center on folks that are a little bit strange sometimes. And I appreciate that Newt himself was strange, but I definitely agree that sometimes I was just like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, Eddie Redmayne. Like, uh, I really wish that you would either sing this out like in Les Mis or just subtitles would be great. But maybe on second viewing. But quite honestly, the the world building was fantastic. I really enjoyed, even though they're only like in Brooklyn, I really enjoyed that there was elements of the movie that uh, helped me really see, go beyond, you know, three other schools, like what they write about in uh, Goblet of Fire. You know, there's an entire magical community in the entire world, maybe in the galaxy. So uh, I thought it was pretty terrific. I was really immersed in it. Quite honestly, second viewing, or would I watch it again on repeat viewing? Maybe, you know, maybe the magic would, would fade away and I'd see more of the flaws. But when I watched it, I was really enthralled. I, I do want to point out now that you brought up flaws. Uh, the one flaw I did... Are we spoiling the movie at all here? Not completely, no. Not completely, no. Okay, maybe not spoiling so much, but the... the I forget her name. The president of... Um, Makuza. The magic... Makuza. <laughs> it, it sounds like Yakuza. Makuza, <laughs> she she mentioned at at some point in the movie that this kind of this terror that they are trying to find is it killed one nomad, and I want to say that no, there's way more. There's gotta be way more. Gotta be. Yeah. There's gotta be, and that that little kind of detail that bothers me. So that was my biggest biggest thing that just ugh, there's way more. I don't know, and I'll, that's all I'll say about it. I um. I've mostly liked the Harry Potter films. I didn't read the books, and I've never been much of like a Potter like subscriber as far as like going beyond just seeing the movies and maybe appreciating them. But for the most part, I think it's a very successful series that does well by what it attempted to do, and I appreciated that. I liked a lot of them, uh, some a lot more than others. And so getting back into this, I was like, all right, let's see what it has to offer. I had no real anticipation for this movie just because I'm not a you know I'm not into the world. 
And I got to say, I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie. I, I didn't think I'd, you know, intensely dislike it. I think David Yates, the director, he directed, you know, the last, what, like four Harry Potter movies. And I thought he did a pretty good job with all of those. So it's like, why, why not see him do more um, in that world again? And I think he really succeeded. I, um... To start with Eddie Redmayne, I thought he was great in this movie. Like, I've been at a point where I was questioning whether or not I like this Eddie Redmayne guy with these very Oscar-specific performances and what have you. But, like, here I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is an actor I really enjoy seeing right now. I I, I liked his, you know. <laughs> it was like he was in the theory of everything again. It's like, I, we've seen this. I don't need to you to be this little meek guy I, again. I liked it more here. I liked this version of it. I liked seeing him being very active and being very eccentric and having these yeah. having this kind of animal conservationist attitude about how he wants to go about things and treating these animals more with more respect than the people he was encountering. I, I liked his presence. I, I, I was I was very much in, enjoying what he had to offer to this film. Um, and the same could be said for the his you know his pals essentially. I really like. I have not been a Dan Fogler fan in the past. I've I've really been averse what has he to. Been in? He's been like he had was it that Balls of Fury movie where he's like the ping pong guy. Yeah, he, yeah. There was that was, the, the, the fanboys that, that I really yeah, hated. Fanboys. I really uh, hated that movie. He he uh, was awesome in this. Like I, yeah, I, I would yeah. give. I would I give the film to Dan Fogler and Alison Sudol and and have a, a film about them. Like well, I thought, I, I, and I thought he was great. Screen, I, thought I was she, I was enthralled. I thought she did a great job as well, and I I was really happy with the kind of the emotional pull it tries to give us with them toward, uh, towards the you know towards the final reels of the movie. I thought it did a good job. I really liked Ezra Miller also. I liked his brand of weird here. It's very. I, I'm not a, as big a fan of the plot involving him, but I thought what what's required of him for this movie, I thought he was really nailing. And I, I wish there was a better balance of tone here to really make sure that that fits in what's going on. That's my biggest issue with the film. I think J.K. Rowling, as a screenwriter for the first time here, I think she has a lot of great ideas, but meshing them together provided some conflict with how to make this movie work properly. But so, Can I, I just but, add one thing? Yeah. Like, Okay, so I love Ezra Miller. I saw him in City Island, was one of my favorite films of that year. He was in We Need to Talk About Kevin. I thought he was mesmerizing. Perks of Being a Wallflower, best, was my favorite film of the entire year. He had a, a bit part in uh, Trainwreck. Uh, he was also in the Stanford Prison Experiment. In every one of those films, he has so much character and so much pizzazz. Here, he was drained of all of that. He was, like, I actually did not, I would not have known, I mean, ordinarily, I would probably not even mention it, but because I know he's such a mesmerizing presence in every film, and here he was so cheerless and so just, he, like, sleepwalks through the whole part. I don't know. He's not sleepwalk. That's, there's a difference, though, I mean, Mark. He's not sleepwalking. He's so it's, it's, and, and, and I like I like seeing an actor like that challenge himself to do something that strips away everything that he's a lot of the things that he's known for and doing something different. I like seeing that here. But he like I, he was lobotomized. He, he like had no personality. And I was like, you've taken this great character actor and you've made him like like pers with no personality. I just but he doesn't. He does I mean, it's not that he doesn't have a personality. It's a it's a it's a personality. That it's 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 different because he's been whipped into. He's been conditioned to be a certain way. And I love see and I see that all in his face. Like I don't need him to speak mm -hmm. loudly or whatnot to show me that. I get that because of how he's emoting these things. If you want to talk about sleepwalking, Colin Farrell sleepwalking in this movie. He was the person I thought was doing a more, not a great job here. It seemed like he was like, all right, I'll sign up for this and I'll wave my wand around and just be menacing. I guess. So setting a pack of dangerous creatures loose here was. It was just another accident. Is that right? Why would I do it deliberately? 
to expose wizard kind, to provoke war between the magical and non-magical worlds. Mass slaughter for the greater good, you mean? I'm not one of Grindelwald's fanatics, Mr. Graves. He had no life to him, and I was I was disappointed by that because I like Colin Farrell, and I thought he'd be great here, but he wasn't. He was just kind of like, all right, I'm here. I, I think I'll be part, of the, part of the problem with some of those parts is that you've got these major actors playing a part that really isn't much there. Like there isn't uh, enough. I, you know, like Dan Full. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Dan um, Fogler. Yeah. He, he 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 makes something of that part, and and Allison Siddall, I, I think, and they're yeah, those and are they're more not, exuberant and parts of famous, the story. So maybe you sort of don't expect much, and then they they well, give you like the average person is not going to think at you. The characters get much more screen time as well. I mean, Ezra Miller, I think that I agree with Aaron that the character doesn't call for Ezra Miller to be flashy and um and have like a lot of great monologues uh, in the movie. It's like. He's very reserved because he's been beaten into submission so well, badly I by be flashy. Uh, I mean, Dan Fogler wasn't flashy. Um, it, he it, is, it's... yes, he's what he is. He's much. He's very flashy. He's walking around with a suitcase full of pastries, and he's jumping. He's doing all these like slapstick comedy things. But I, like, I think he's it's, a very it's flashy a character. But his performance, he's still. Uh, he, he's not shouting or anything. I mean, he's. But still, he's comic relief, Mark. Like he's normal. supposed to. You're, you notice him, but he has an emo- He has an you emotional through line in this story. Like you're. You're not gonna walk out not remembering Dan Fogler because that's where he. <laughs> The character requires him to be very boisterous and what have you. Like every time like, I take a shot, I'm just gonna laugh. And he's a nomad, well, I mean, so he's like I he's in, he's having I, like wow faces every time he sees a new creature. He he was memorable. I mean he 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 and Allison Siddall were the two most memorable parts. But yeah, Ezra Miller I think was a big miss for me. I don't not remember him though. It's not like my favorite part of the thing as far as, far as what's going on because it's a dark performance or what. Well, and how, like, can you, and how can you not remember that haircut? Not exactly. <laughs> That, that, that zero-cut bowl haircut, yeah. <laughs> Let me finish I, I what like... I was saying about the movie. I liked Redmayne here. I liked this cast mostly. I talked about Colin Farrell already. I think he disappointed me as far as... You did it again, Colin. What's going on here? But um, what I also <laughs> really fine, liked... I thought. What, I, what I also really liked is that it's not a film about, like... About you know, wiz- you know, uh, children wizards becoming wizards and learning stuff. It's about people that are already adults. They already know what they're doing, and so I like seeing just magic being thrown about because they know how they're they know what they're doing here. They know what they know how to conduct themselves. They know what spells they need to cast at what points or whatnot. Their little fights break out. They know they like how to defend themselves or what have you. There's a lot of like, just like the, it feels lived in to an extent where I'm not. I don't have to discover. Things I discover stuff because of like the beasts or whatnot that are presented, but I don't have to discover these characters as far as their abilities. They just they just they show them off as they need to, and I, I like that. I thought that was a different. The movie doesn't try to like remake Sorcerer's Stone. It just it's its own thing already, and I, I like that right. a lot. I wasn't again. I didn't have much anticipation for this film. I didn't really know what I was getting into, and so seeing that this is just it feels like a it's a one off, even though it has very like. It, it's sub it's subplot is essentially the way to tie it into a, a building continuity that's going to take us into four more movies but i like that i could watch this film as like a one-time thing and be like oh that was a fun like trip to the magic world again like i liked all of that and the movie looks great like i yeah. i can think of sorcerer stone think of how the effects like even then looked you know not great ne- you know you know Moving, you can watch that. on ABC Family every weekend. I know, right? Moving through that <laughs> and getting to now, like you can see how the effects got better over time. And in this movie, they're terrific. Like, there's some great stuff involving like the magic, 
like rebuilding stuff after it gets like torn apart by the beasts and things. I just thought like looked great and seamless. Like, I thought that I was very impressed. By I, I what thought was the going creatures were incredible too. I they mean, are, I yeah. Them, but yeah, they're they they look like physical entities. The 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 creation of a fictional universe is what you know Abe was calling world building. It it's it's perfect. Like that, they did a good job of you know immersing you in this world. Yeah, and, and you know, watching the movie, I, I just Aaron, you kind of brought up that J.K. Rowling. This is the first time being a scriptwriter. I was like, I would want to really read this 500, 600 page book. You know, I <laughs> or if I can't get that, just give me the script. I'll just reread the script and just make the story up in my head again. But uh, I really enjoyed that she didn't need, like what you said, Aaron. She didn't need to explain things all over again. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of positives. You know, some of the negatives that I have are. I, I do enjoy Eddie Redmayne. The the his speech kind of slurs, but that's kind of because he's this weird character. But that being said, though, this is honestly the first I'm hearing of people not understanding Eddie Redmayne. I was like, I had no problem hearing what he was saying. Like, I know it's, it's I weird because I, never, I understood I, everything. I never found yeah, myself I, I, lost. Like, I get it. <laughs> no, hey, Aaron, I wasn't lost. This, is a, this podcast is the first time you've heard that. Yeah, I've not oh, heard no, anyone talk about Redmayne in that way. It's a major way. like Google it or go on Twitter. It's, it's a thing. Yeah, like, way to read. To, uh, way to read any of my comments, Aaron. You're <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a major thing. I don't think it's not the re. It's it, the issues I had with the film. It's a it's a minor thing because I don't think what he says is that important. But it, sure. it's it is it's a major thing. He, people cannot understand him. And I watched right. it at a Dolby Cinema where sound is the best thing about that experience. And I, but I think it, it part of it is mumbles. because he is this—he's yeah. this introvert. You know, he's kind of like yeah, which, which I give him credit for. That's why I like him. Like I like—I like yeah. seeing this character. I like this guy. Like yeah. I like—I I like how the movie doesn't try to like give you this entire backstory with him. It just kind of throws him in here. And I was it's happy. There, with yeah. That. And like, you know, was, you don't you don't even get a huge like amount of exposition about his character. You know, you just find out that well, you know, he kind of got kicked out of Hogwarts from time to time. Uh, but with that being said, you know, one of the flies I had about the movie was that the ending kind of – it kind of – as much as the first two-thirds of it is, you know, really engaging and it shows you a whole bunch of stuff, the, the last third of it kind of just feels as though it, it really fast-forwards through some of these things just to reach the end of the movie, which was kind of a bummer because I think that there was some pretty neat things that they were building up to, um, and it kind of just – like, quite honestly, the last ten minutes just feels like, oh, well, I guess that was the conclusion, so – I mean, I, I like that it's, I think because because to me it felt such like a one-off, like as far as like, here's a story about this guy, he has to find the beast, oh, and he happens to encounter some other stuff. I was sure. happier that it didn't really drag out this kind of epic drama of him facing off against whatever bad guys there are or whatnot, just like, no, it's just a day in the life of Newt, basically. It's like he found the beast, oh, there's some <laughs> yeah. magic I have, there's some magic asshole I have to deal with, let me go, let me go get on that. <laughs> yeah, have... but it, it deals with two things, and that's kind of where I was I like, understand. oh, yes. and, well, and, you know, that that was kind of... It was, it was almost like a two-for-one kind of thing, but it wasn't like a great two-for-one. And I agree, yes, because the, the other plot that's going on here is not as strong. Like, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, it, it's not as... It could be more involving, I guess, if it was fleshed out more or what have you, but it's not as strong. And it's also, you know, it's so tonally different that it's like it's hard to, like, break away from the, hey, here's a fun guy running around finding beasts and stuff. Oh, and here's, like, a family straight out of the witch being, like, taunted by... <laughs> <laughs> by like evil wizards that really want to come more after you. Letter, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's just it's such Same a jarring. Thing. Yeah, it's it's a jarring thing to like throw in there. No, um, I mean I, I didn't have so much fun with that, and not to get too much into. I it, think it, I don't like think Colin, it helped Colin, though. I think well, Colin Farrell's character, you know what I mean? Like that two for one. That was where I was like, yeah, you know, was that necessary for me to 
to uh, experience it in that way. Um, so, uh, I, I, I mean, there's a because it you know it has to move itself towards what the other sure. films are going to do, which I can, right, right. you know, it's it it has to justify doing certain things. Like it's we're not trying to talk not talk spoilers, I guess, but like it, yeah, I know, I, I, yeah. I know what you're saying, and I can agree to an extent. It's just like I was so delighted by the end of this i just i was smiling and i was like this is so much yeah. better than i like at any like i didn't think it'd be again i didn't think it'd be terrible but it was just like i had no reason to think i was going to be like as happy as i was by this movie and i was yeah i'd also like to add that david yates uh i forgot yes. that he directed this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's on the show <laughs> i forgot that david yates actually directed fantastic beasts and where to find them because i felt as though this were this is a much more competent job than the the last Harry Potter those that book seven broken up in two parts. Well, he, direct, that was he directed cool. half of the Harry Potter. Films. He directed like yeah, starting like book five or something like that. Uh, so he's directed yeah, like the last four movies. But I felt as though this one was much more competent. It was much more mature. Maybe it's the subject matter and and the fact that they aren't children or teenagers. Maybe that was it. But it definitely felt different. I was like, oh, David Yates directed that when it popped well, up on the screen. I was well, like, that's it, weird. It takes place in America. I think that change of venue does change things mm. well, there's yeah, also a, there's... There's, a, there's a lack of streamlining because you have like what 500 plus page books to work with versus an original screenplay that has no book to back it like it so he has less things to juggle there is a book but it's like a textbook and it's yeah it's not it's not a no it's not yeah it's not like a story no yeah it's not this this is not adapted from that book it's just more if that's like a reference guide to characters and beasts and things that was actually yeah to beasts and it's not just David Yates that's uh, that's streamlining everything. It's J.K. Rowling herself. She's mm-hmm. writing the screenplay rather than translating a book. And having her direct influence on the movie, I think, helps a lot, too. That's a good point. Yeah. In addition to just, you know, what the movie's doing for me on a visual level and seeing, you know, performances that I really like or whatnot, there is a lot of, like, thematic work at play that Rowling and Yates seem to really happy happy to dig into involving, you know, kind of, you know, racial politics at this time, and there are some neat digs racial in politics, what... suppression of uh, of certain uh, lifestyles, all that other mm-hmm. stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Well, it's now they, it's, a, they... it's a bit of X Men for children in a way. Yeah, for Kinda, sure. Yeah. Which, yeah, and I think even the, the I don't read I haven't read the books, but even the movies certainly kind of reflect that as well to an extent. So it's never something that's gone past Rawlings' writing, but I appreciated seeing it even if it's mostly a whole bunch of white people talking about how great it is to be racially accepting of stuff. But, I mean, that's, uh, that's a different story. Keep hold your horses here. Yes, David? Yeah, I, I did want to ask uh, what you thought of Makuza being black in 1926 America. How did you the, feel that... The president of Makuza? Uh, uh, the Makuza, I mean. Sure, her name is like Serafina or something like that, yeah. but she her title is Makuza. Like it, it was, you know, it was fine. Like it was more. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't think about that much actually. The nineteen twenty, the fact that it's nineteen twenty six and there's a black president in the, in the magical society. But at the same, at the same time, it was like female president too. A female, a female black president. The magic. At the same time, though, it's like they're they're also talking about how like, like like, like in America, wizards and no magics can't be 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 together and stuff like that. It's like wow. There's yeah. There's isn't some, that an uh, interesting juxtaposition though? Because uh, yeah, you know they. Yeah, well, what's interesting is like they're like uh, when Eddie Redmayne comes to talk to Tina, and he's like, "It's weird that you guys think that it's not okay for nomadges and uh, mag and, and wizards to not be together." And it's like, "Wow, I'm curious now what 1926 London was like." You know, it, it's 
Well, it it's seems like it's, it's they make it clear that it's more open. I guess is the sure, yeah, there. which which I thought was like a nice uh, uh, jib jab. Uh, Engl- Eng- English magic is more progressive than American magic. Right. So I guess I mean yeah. So I guess they're more accepting of ethnicity doesn't color uh, doesn't matter anymore. It's whether you have magic or no magic. In that realm, yes, apparently that seems to be the case. Still, very interesting stuff that they're throwing yeah, at yeah, us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I agree, and also I, I you know, it, it did end on a nice, sweet note, which I enjoyed a lot. It does. <laughs> it's really well. the coloring, and also where the setting, and I loved uh, that his uh, his pastries take the form of beasts. I have questions. Like I wanted to know the. I don't know. I don't know how to ask the question without revealing stuff, but mm-hmm. it's unclear whether was the magic. Yeah, I know. They did. I know what you want to ask. Yes, and, was that uh, successful or was it not successful? I don't know. It's the mystery half, of the dance. Half, maybe. I think that's, yeah, that's the beauty yeah. of it, though. That's the beauty of it. I think it makes right, us right. kind no, of. I, I liked all that. I mean, I'm telling yeah. you, everything uh, that you know involved him and uh, Queenie, I thought was wonderful like i was i loved all that not a whole lot about not a whole lot of chat about tina but what do you guys think of uh, that character oh catherine catherine waterston's character yeah um i thought she i thought she handled the part well like it's it's the you know of the four of them um (laughs) i I was probably like the the least on her but it's not like as far as like admiration for the character goes like but it but it's not a matter of like her the quality of her performance it's just it's like right right less showy although there's a whole like she the first time we meet her like she's eating a hot dog and i like that the film like let her have like a, like a bit of mustard on her lip mustard for, like, on a, her. Good, <laughs> a good like 20 minutes before it finally went away i think there, it's funny because her her character seems to have the most backstory in this yeah. movie that we're not getting and yeah I think that's yeah. Uh, i think so they might be saving a lot of her interesting stuff for the, the other movies because uh i hope so her and newt are like they're and eddie redmond they're like they're signed on for like all these movies apparently so yeah oh cool. like there, okay. apparently there's like she had some thing going on with graves and he doesn't like her or you know and there's a lot of stuff that we don't know and it'd be great to revisit that mm-hmm. right so i think <laughs> in her in this movie her story is very uh it's very bad in the back, you know. It's more, set, more set up for later. Yeah, she's not a she's not as important of a player in in this grand scheme of things. But I guess that's glad to hear. That, that's the thing I kind of admire about this movie is the fact that there's a lot of like I mean, you mentioned world building. Abe, this movie does a lot to kind of build up, you know, American wizard society and what have you, and like setting up a lot of you know what's what could be coming in the future to more of an extent or whatnot. And I really liked it. Like it felt less like it was a it felt like, like a, you know, a lesser movie could have been made it like a chore to like try to keep up with all these little things because you're going to have to know, you know, know about them later. This movie, it, it felt just, it worked for me. Like I wasn't concerned with what needs to be, what I need to focus on now and what I need to focus on, you know, four years from now and then, you know, the third movie or something like that. I was just like, this is just really cool to see this, this world being built in front of me and just seeing right. these new elements yeah. and these new creatures, these new magic spells and what have you. Like I just really yeah. liked all of it. And I, and I also really loved the, the score that James Newton Howard uh, wrote. It's a good score. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true, yes. It's I did a very solid score. score. And I, I think the very, you know, when he got to the Harry Potter movies that John Williams stopped doing, it, you definitely felt it. And so I think mm-hmm. James Newton Howard has more of a American sensibility where where he's not afraid to use a lot of heavier brass and 
and melodic themes. So I think James Newton Howard's is bringing yeah, it had, back to... it had a little bit more of a jazzy feel to it. Yeah, I think that well, too, it worked like, with because yeah. it's twenties New York, the and I thought that. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was my big. That was the big thing I was interested in is the fact that it was a you know a period film set within this universe. I thought that was a neat approach, and it paid yeah, off. I, I liked think. all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great uh, score. Aaron, I wanted to add on something to what you were talking about with um, uh, your last point of the world building stuff like that. I think that uh, another aspect that I really liked was that they didn't. While I had questions, they kind of answered some of them as I was watching it, which kind of just goes to J.K. Rowling's script. You know, for example, uh, is there an American wizarding school? Like I, I thought about that, and then it was answered later in the movie. So uh, things like that, where it's a little bit more nuanced, um, even like a very quick photo of uh, of uh, what's her face, um, Lisa Monet's daughter. I forget her name. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, yeah. Oh, like, Lestrange oh. as Lestrange. And I was like, you know, there's not a whole lot of emphasis on that, but I'm sure that it comes up later. And also, just <laughs> well, the last I mean, she was Lestrange. a photo in a picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and all, but also yeah. just like the last name Lestrange. Bet that she's gonna appear so more though. More. Yeah. So, I I enjoyed that uh, it's subtle and coming up, and uh, again, I, I I was really taken on this ride, and I enjoyed it. Here's the question to ask again before we wrap up. Then. Question Are you of the day. Look- are you looking forward to not one, not two, not three, but four more of these movies? Uh, can I can I hold <laughs> until I see the second movie? <laughs> I mean, you liked it more than I did, and I thought it. I, I'm open to it. Like I, I think there's lots. I'm of open places. to it too, but four's a lot. <laughs> but I mean, they have free reign to do whatever that they want. True. So yeah. the, the, there's there, no there, there's no limitation really. There's six Star Wars movies, and there's eight Harry Potter movies. <laughs> I well, do yeah, kind of feel like yeah. I do feel like this there, yeah. movie kind of lays the groundwork too for a lot of like you know possibilities. So it's possible like the second movie will even you know surpass this because they'll be able to sort of delve into more detail in a way that this one kind of it's sort of like laying the groundwork for what we're about to watch. Yeah, I'm not one that gets kind of bent out of shape because they announced movies. I mean, it's like, all right, they're going to do it. Let's see what they do. And you're know, coming out of this one I was very positive on. I look forward to seeing them. I, I'm i aware that it's going to span like a period of 19 years total, I guess, is like the idea. I kind of was hoping it'd be more of like each movie's like a new decade or something like that. I thought that'd be a neat way to take it. But uh, I'll just wait to see what you know the next Fantastic Beasts movie has to offer. And where not to find them. Which uh, Yates is directing all of them, by the way. Is he? Really? Wow. Yep. All right. With all that said, where should people go and see Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Mark? Uh, I'd say a theater. I mean, it's definitely a a beautifully rendered film, so I think it benefits on a big screen. David? I saw it at the Dolby Cinema, and if you haven't been to a Dolby Cinema, you should definitely check it out. It's the, the seats recline and the seats rumble with sound. It's just uh, the blacks are really black on. The, it's not like you know that it's like a light black mm-hmm. on the screen. It's it's the colors are so rich. It's a, it's beautiful. I recommend it that way. Abe. Yeah, I definitely agree that theater is the way to go uh, for this movie. Uh, yeah, big theater as well. It's a it's it's a it's a solid movie to see. It's, it's good to, good pick for. Uh, you know, holiday season where you have all these options out there. Certainly yeah. a very enjoyable one for, for everybody, really. Like, it's, it gets a little dark in there, but, you know, it's good. 
I didn't see it in 3D, by the way. I don't know if anyone saw it in 3D. I didn't either, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't exactly think it would be adding too much to uh, my viewing experience. So. Nah. All right. Well, that was our review for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Let's uh, move on now. Let's get to our sponsor real quick. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? It's a good thing that you asked me. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and other similar programs for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 device. Additionally, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. You can download a book for free, perhaps one of those Rowling books, like a Harry Potter story, perhaps, um, and just start listening. It's that easy. audibletrial.com slash podcast. Download a book for free. Try out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you can keep that book that you download for free. For free, so be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash podcast. All right, let's move on now. Let's get the feedback. Feedback, feedback. Feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers from our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, where we asked our listeners a number of questions, and they were able to give us some answers. Then they asked us some questions, and we're crazy enough to answer them. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, Mark and Dave, feel free to uh, throw in your two cents if you have any thoughts on these questions we're about to bring up here. And, uh, all right. What are your favorite films about lost animals? Matthew writes, Homeward Bound, but I haven't seen it in ages, so I'm wondering how well that holds up. Manish writes, Finding Nemo. Spencer writes, Jurassic Park slash World. They technically lost all those dinosaurs. <laughs> Chris writes, well, someone lost them, so snakes on a plane. And Jay adds, finding Nemo once again. Those I'm are gonna all throw, pretty good picks. I'm going to throw in Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah. Lost yeah. yeah. cat. Uh, maybe, maybe 1984 is the bear. The bear. <laughs> the bear. There's uh, Bolt, I guess. With John Travolta, yeah. Oh my god, I'm lost. <laughs> Real life from the movie. Real life from the movie. I'm really lost. Ain't it cool? <laughs> Have you guys ever seen a movie called Hachi, A Dog's Tale? <laughs> I, I have not seen Hachi. I know what it is, but no, I haven't yeah, seen Hachi. It was about a, a, a dog that's taken in by that's Richard Shear. Sure, it's a uh, Hoban family classic. I mean, it's. I thought it was fine, but I know there are people who love it. So, cool. next, next question we ask everybody is, uh, "What do you want in future Wizarding World features?" Now that we're kind of back in the Harry Potter universe, Jason has Quidditch to the Ages is the other spinoff book, but I really don't think it's going to make a great film unless they went all remember the Titans with it. Uh, Jay Patrick writes, keep the stuff that was nothing to do with Harry trend going. There should be plenty of other Wizarding Worlds to explore. I agree with that. April has, uh, they'll stop using the term nomad. Bring back Muggle. Uh, April needs to move to the UK. Uh, Manisha has more magic around the world, but with culturally appropriate creative terms and, and teams. Uh, Justin has, I would like to see more of exploring the Potter universe. Much to see. Little given. And I'll, last I'll, Philip... Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 please. No, go ahead, finish, and then I'll... Oh, I'll last one from Philip. Uh, a different screenwriter. No respect to Rowling. I just think she's more cut out as a novelist. She's apparently good at... Uh, in good company with Cormac McCarthy, one of the best authors of the last hundred years, I'd say. Wow. Shots fired. 
High praise with the Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> Where are you going to say, David? David? Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, there's there's another school uh, that J.K. Rowling introduced. There's actually several schools, but there's one. The new one in the United States is Ilvermorny, mm-hmm. and they brought it up in um, in they kind of referenced it in the movie. But there's four other schools that you guys now need to try and be a part of. <laughs> so, and uh, they're not named after any wizards, but they're they're named after the favorite beast of every the wizard that found the school. So there's uh, uh, Puckwudgie, there's mm-hmm. the horn horn serpent, there's a wampus, and there is uh, one that Thunderbird. That's the last one. Nice. So, well, anyway. that one's sponsored by Thord. <laughs> yeah. So it would be cool to see more of the the new school that's in the United States. Yeah, I want to go to Wampus. That's my actual. That's the school I was assigned to, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, our next question here is favorite films about eccentric outsiders. Uh, Chris writes has to be The Lost Boys. Um, probably showing my age. Uh, Justin writes Edward Scissorhands and Willy Wonka. Philip writes Hunt for the Wilder People. And Mike writes The Hitcher. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out that I might have missed him for the Wilder People in theaters. Oh, you gotta go see that. That's really yeah. good. It's, it's still it's playing on, around anywhere? Oh, no, but I'll, it's I'll on blue, it's out it's on streaming and Blu-ray now. Ah, okay. oh, bummer. Just, All right. Just get it. So for eccentric outsiders, I would say Taxi Driver, and then as a sort of a, a, a recent thing that kind of reminded me of that film, Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. I, I, I literally just watched Taxi Driver the other day because I got to review the new like. The oh, I, I saw it in a theater recently because it was it was yeah, playing again it. at the Fathom Events. Yeah, they had a forty. It's like its fortieth anniversary or whatnot. Right. It's uh, it's pretty good. Oh my uh, gosh, that <laughs> like... Never heard of it. Um, e- every, movie, every movie with Johnny Depp in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Edward Scissorhands, right? Yeah. All, all the way on down. What's the Gilbert Grape? Our next move. Our next question is: uh, Name some magic spells you really like for movies, or ones you just made up. Uh, Philip writes, I want a spell to slow down Aaron's out-now quickies liner so that we can actually understand what he is saying. I call it Benicio Del Toro from Usual Suspexa. <laughs> and Justin adds, Wingardium Leviosa. I, I don't know what that is. What does that do? That's one that, that lifts things. I should have got that from Leviosa, but I wanted to make sure anyway. It's the first <laughs> spell everyone learns, Aaron. Well, yeah. But here at Slytherin, we go way ahead of that one. So what are you talking about? <laughs> You're really going all in on the Slither now. <laughs> hey, a I random internet. A, ra- a, ra- Abe, a random. Abe, Abe, a random internet test told me what to do. So clearly, I must subscribe by that. <laughs> Those internet tests. All right. Next question here. What is your favorite high school comedy? Brad writes Heather's, uh, but I'd watch Slater in just about anything. Mike has Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, American Graffiti, and Mean Girls. From the show, Maxwell writes, 10 Things I Hate About You, The Breakfast Club, Mean Girls. Uh, Chris has Weird Science, Kelly teaching gym class, oh yeah. Uh, I just had the Kool-Aid guy busted by my wall. Uh, Adam has She's All That and Rushmore. Jason writes, 10 Things I Hate About You. Steven has Fast Times at Ridge, uh, Ridgemont High and American Pie, the first one. Manish has Easy A and Clueless. Philip has Rushmore, and Joe has Better Off Dead. I'll keep a lot of high school comedies out there. I'll keep the Cusack train going with Say Anything. 
She gave me, I give her my heart. She gave me a pen. I'll, I'll go with '70s classic Grease. That's a good one. Hand jiving. Mark, come on, Grease. <laughs> it's a classic. I'll go with uh, not another teen movie. I, nobody said The Breakfast Club. It well, they got did. mentioned. Yeah. It got yeah mentioned. It. Oh, it did. Okay, I didn't hear it. I'm not a Hughes guy, so I wouldn't have said The Breakfast Club. <laughs> I wouldn't no, say that just... either, but I know that's a beloved. I'll add Ferris Bueller though. Ferris Bueller. That one Risky, was written by John Hughes. Business. Right? He directed Ferris Bueller. Was it okay? I forget which one like you wrote, but he didn't direct or Pretty in but... Pink or not Pretty, pretty uh, the other one, um, Sixteen Candles. Uh, am I wrong? Which one's which? I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to do retrospective later. All right. Did we say election? Oh, I love election. election uh, I don't know if they wrote election. No, they didn't. But uh, right. that's a good one. Well, that's, a, that's a good. High Pretty in pink is the one he didn't direct. Pretty in pink. 16, okay. Sixteen candles he did direct. No, election's great. Oh, Alexander Payne, killing it in that movie with Reese Witherspoon and uh, and Chris Klein at his dumbest. Um, <laughs> And nicest. He's, he's incredibly nice. He's just really dumb <laughs> in that It's kind of a compliment for you to say Chris Klein at his dumbest. <laughs> well, it, it takes a lot to beat uh, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. So. Uh, all, right. all right. Next question. Favorite Casey Affleck film? Uh, Jay writes, Ocean's 11 through 13, although in 13 he has the dodgiest mustache in history. Uh, Manish writes, Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Fur- Ford and Gone Baby Gone. Philip has Gone Baby Gone. Maxwell writes The Assassinates, Jesse James. Uh, Stephen writes Three-Way Time Between Manchester by the Swede, Jerry, and Jesse James. He's just great in anything. Mm-hmm. I Did I mention that I saw Manchester by the Sea? Because I did, and it's really great. Briefly, uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a... Can't wait that one, too. It's, a, it's, a great, it's, it's a great film, but he's great in it, and if he won Best Actor, I would not be upset by that. So. Awesome. But he is... I, like, I generally like Casey Affleck. He's very good in things. He was also yeah, in like, Paranormal. Paranormal. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. Yep, par- I've <laughs> never done a deltoid in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's really giving Chris Klein a run for his money in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here. And the last question we asked everybody, what are some films that you like about insomniacs or characters who never seem to sleep? Jason has not a film, but I don't remember Jack Bauer ever sleeping in 24. Uh, he goes to sleep back. once, and then his like hostage tries to escape, and so he wakes back up again, and he, st- <laughs> he stops. How many minutes does that take? <laughs> it takes a few minutes. It's in the first season. He's okay. like, he's like, I'm so tired, and he like fades out, and then this woman he kidnapped like tries to get away. And he's like, No, you can't go. Damn it! And he gets her back in. <laughs> uh, Philip has. I don't know about the characters, but the money never sleeps in Wall Street sequel. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That was terrible. Okay, move on. <laughs> Joe has Fight Club and Real Genius. April has The Devil's Advocate with a wink emoticon. Uh, and Amy has Drive. Friend of the show, Amy Taylor, has Drive. Well, this uh, is amazing. I just answered this for films about outsiders, but Taxi Driver and Nightcrawler. And, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, never seen I'll second Fight Club, of course, and uh, yeah, there's a. What about Doctor Strange? He's reading while he's sleeping. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, his his other body self is reading while he's sleeping. I'll add in uh, T2 and pretty much any Terminator film, but T2 specifically. Why? He just st- because Terminator never sleeps. He just watches. Yeah, I love that shot where he's just standing. Outside. He's just standing there. 
and Linda Hamilton's narrating. Because she just right. can't kill them. That's why. Sorry, sorry, Linda. Hashtag boycott Hamilton is just standing there. It's just narrating. <laughs> All right, we got some questions now that you guys asked us, and we should uh, get into those. Jason asks, "Who do you want to see play young Dumbledore?" That's a good who, question. I've never thought play about young it. Young Dumbledore. I think Jared what? Harris. Right. Young Dumbledore. Like, well, what? Like, I'm thinking younger. I'm thinking like 30s. Which Jared Harris is like pretty a... talented. He can play 30s. <laughs> he can pull it off. Yeah. I'm sorry, what was that, David? I was saying, do we want one that's more of a young Richard Harris or a young... Uh... Well, Jared Harris, his son, makes sense, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I didn't know that was his son. Yeah, it's his son. Is that for real? I didn't know yes. that either. I don't read the yeah. gossip trades, all right? <laughs> yes, it's Richard. Yes, he's Richard Harris's son. I had no idea. This is amazing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what a young Dumbledore is supposed to be like. What do you have? Jason, a beard? who do you think? Let us know who you think it should be, because then then I'll give you a proper answer. Well, David, did you have any ideas for it? No. It. I mean, I think his son. I'm looking at him. It looks kind of like him. <laughs> Oh, how young do you want to go? Yeah, sure, how young do you want to go there? I don't know this world, so you guys ought to have a better idea than I would. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Jason, Jason has to clarify. Like, am I looking for like, you know, a 50 year old Dumbledore or like I mean, a 20 year old Dumbledore or a 30 year old Dumbledore? So anyway, I don't know. I Richard Harris, sure. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bring him back to life. <laughs> yeah, I love Richard Harris as Dumbledore, by the way. But uh, yeah. sure. Uh, I liked Michael Gambon too. I liked his spry Dumbledore. No. Yeah, it certainly it certainly took a different. Ter- I learned to love it, uh, but I, I wasn't enamored with it. Obviously, Richard Harris could not. Continue I had less attachment to it because I didn't read this stuff, and I wasn't realized like, all right, let's see a new Dumbledore. All right, go on. He's, he's moving around a lot more. But... He is in his like. <laughs> Dumbledore still got it. <laughs> all right, here we, uh... we might we might see a young Dumbledore in the in the series because he's. Uh... He yeah, no, that's player, you know. So we, it's not might. We we are going to see Uncle Dumbledore in this series. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know when. I mean, I I think like you and McGregor would be a good choice. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. say no. I mean, it'll be, uh, it's just I don't know. It feels kind of obvious. It's like, well, he's done that, right? Like just being Obi Wan. Like, oh, like Dumbledore, you have such beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sure you'd be able to pull it off. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's I, why yeah. he's so perfect for it. Fair enough. That is true. We'll see after train spotting too. Uh, I don't know what that means. It's it's T two colon train spotting. <laughs> is that what it is now? It is. No, that's that, that's that's what it's. Is that really what it is? T two colon train spotting too. It's just T two colon train spotting. <laughs> All right. All Judgment right. <laughs> yeah. The last question we asked that we got. For everybody here on the panel, Philip asks everybody here, how hard do you suppose it is for a successful novelist to write a screenplay? Can you think of any examples where it is done well? Plenty. Um, uh, Mario Puzo had a couple Godfather films that worked out pretty well for him. Uh, Raymond Chandler uh, wrote a couple screenplays that worked out pretty Nick Hornby has done a great job. Yeah, William Goldman, I believe, has a few things to his name that have uh, stood the test of time pretty well. Dave Eggers has been coming up lately. Um Let's see. Michael Chabon uh, did Spider-Man 2, among other things, um, in addition to being, you know, a Pulitzer Prize-winning author. Uh, there's there's a lot, I would say, that have done pretty well. Yeah. I, all I, I Google is novelist turned screenwriters, and there's a whole slew of results here. 
Uh, I think that's obviously in reference to how well Rowling did it with herself. And I mean, again, I had some issues, but I, you know, I think she wrote a pretty good screenplay for a new Harry Potter Wizarding World film. Um, Cormac McCarthy's The Counselor is one of Abe's favorite movies ever. So I mean, that you know. I, yes, yeah. <laughs> I try and re- reenact uh, the scene where uh, Cameron Diaz is on my Ferrari all the time. But no, I think there's there's, there's plenty of authors that have turned to to uh, to screenwriters that have done it well. Uh, so there, <laughs> that's that's all I got to say. about I just named a whole bunch of them. So there you good go. question, good yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, I'll be curious. I, I'm always curious when uh, when an author adapts their own work for the screen. Um, there's some specific ones that I can't think of that like that recently happened for, but there's also um, the A Monster Calls, the book that that's based off is adapted by the same. Uh... Well, Michael Crichton has done that several times. Michael, Michael Crichton's done that a few times. Yeah, that's he true did too. For, uh... Varying amounts of success, but um... but yeah, no, there's a lot of you know, options out there. All right, that was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Now it's. Um... Oh, snap, Aaron. I think it's time to snap into Slim Jim, not a sponsor, and get into some games here. Little known fact, Aaron Newworth was actually the original composer for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them until his schedule got complicated. It was me and Alexandre Desplat were supposed to do it together, and then... Schedules changed, and yeah. so they brought on. Mm-hmm. So they had to bring on James. That, that James guy. Newton Howard. They had to, yeah, they, they had to, they had to slum it with him. They had to said. settle for that guy, yeah. Yeah. But um. Anyway, <laughs> I have a game for you guys. It awesome. is called it is called Beast Mode. Uh oh. Basically, I came up with the title Beast Mode, and I'm like, oh, I have to make a game out of this now, even though I was really just satisfied with the title of said game. But here we are anyway. Um, I have a number of films that all have beasts in them. They might even have beast in the title. And I'm going to read you a quote from the film, and you have to guess what that film is. If you cannot figure out this quote, I also have the tagline from the film, so you can guess from there as well. All right, I'm excited. If you think, if you, think you know the answer, yell out your name, and then say what the answer is. Okay. Everybody understand that? Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I was pretty clear. I'm going to read a quote from a movie, and you have to name what the movie is. That's pretty straightforward to me. But okay. Yeah, I'm. Tr- I'm just trying to think of all the names. Uh, all the <laughs> mind is like wandering right now. <laughs> they all involve beasts in some way. Here we go. Here's the first. All one. right. Here we go. Sometimes I might try to do an accent or a replication of said character. Uh, <laughs> please, just please for, don't. Please just don't. Just for warning you. I'm definitely going to because I crushed it the last time I did this. <laughs> I thought I told you to come down to dinner. David. David? Beauty and the Beast, the animated Beauty and the Beast is the correct, the correct answer. You're on the board. That's a good, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good accent. The there. tagline, by the way, is the most beautiful love story ever told. Okay. Mm. Oh, I, was I supposed to give that? No. no I'm, just, I'm just reading it because I wrote it down, so I might as well use my work that <laughs> I did for all this, <laughs> for all this research out the window. <laughs> Here's the next one. Throw your arms across your eyes and scream, man! Scream for your life! Hmm. David? Yeah? Uh, I don't get a negative mark if I get a wrong. No, you don't. We'll find out after this answer. 
I'm just, I mean, I can't think of too many movies with Beast. Beastly? I said some movies might have Beast in the title, for oh. one thing. Mm. But if it doesn't have Beast in the title, then what's the connection? <laughs> do, you, do you think there are, are movies with Beast in the titles the only ones that could have Beast in some way in them? Oh, is this an X-Men movie? I'm going to read the tagline. Okay. <laughs> outleaping the matting... Okay, this is a bad tagline. Outleap, outleaping the maddest imaginings. Outthrilling the wildest thrills. Beastmaster? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to read the quote one more time. <laughs> Throw your arms across your eyes and scream, man. Scream for your life. Okay, so the answer is King Kong from 1933. Should've known. It's also in in the remake, but just saying. I get it now. (laughs) Alright. Oh, you you mean there are movies that have beasts in them that don't have beasts in the title? Is that what you're telling me? You remember that? I mean, you you brought the example of X-Men. That was good. (laughs) Alright, next one. Let the wild rumpus start! Uh, Let the wild rumpus start. The tagline: There's, there's one in all of us. Where the wild, th- Mark, where the wild things are. That is correct. That's where I heard it. Here's the next. Here's the next one. This is too much madness to explain in one text. Abe. Yep. Attack the block. Attack the block is the correct answer. Abe, you're on the board. We're all on the board. You are. Three-way tie right now. Even even me. It's a four-way tie. I could win this if you guys mess up every single other one. (laughs) (laughs) And you all owe me a dollar. I forgot to say that part. What? (laughs) Here's the next one. Here's the next one. Are you sure we can't shave your head? Hmm. Are you sure we can't shave your head? What's the tagline? Their powers would make them different, but destiny would make them allies. Mark, X-Men First Class? That is correct. Mm. Good call. I was thinking of that. The quote is from Beast. It is from Hank McCoy, by the way. (laughs) Because he's made Cerebro when he's asking the professor if he wants to shave his head. It'd be so cold. Here's the next question. Or the next quote. They're watching Snow White, and they love it. Snow White and they oh, what was it? Uh, Mark, uh, yep. Gremlins? Gremlins is the correct answer. Yes! <laughs> the tagline is, what you see isn't what you always get. Mm. Those are I tiny was... beasts. Like. Beasts nonetheless. How big was that that, that little uh, snorting one, that like stealing all, or that platypus one? <laughs> okay, okay, calm down. <laughs> By the way, Mark has three, I think. Yeah, Mark's crushing it. <laughs> you pick apart my questions. Mark's winning. So. <laughs> There's the next one. The bathtub has more holidays than the whole rest of the world. Abe. Yes? Paddington Bear. Incorrect. There's no beast there. <laughs> not even He's close. He's a bear. He's a talking bear. That's not a beast. It's a talking bear. <laughs> so yes, I said that, that out loud. Leo got... oh, I, I know. I know. Mark. Beast yes. of the Southern Wild. Beast of the Southern Wild is the correct answer. Gosh, 
Hush puppy, exactly. Uh, that one's for Marcus, who's recently married. Congratulations. I remember we used to tor- torment him with that movie. <laughs> I sent him like a happy fourth. Of- I sent him a happy fourth of July message with, 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 like, with, with, with hush puppy yeah. holding the fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the he next one. He doesn't refer to my calls anymore. It's weird. <laughs> Here's an, he's in Disneyland right now. He's on his yeah. honeymoon. Here's the next one. Magic does not exist. Not for you, me, or anyone else. What accent was that? I don't know. Hey. <laughs> Castilian. Castilian? Hey. <laughs> yes? Uh, Beast of No Nation. Incorrect. Here's the tagline. What happens when make be- when make believe believes it's real? Bedtime stories? <laughs> Magic does not- Oh, Dave, Dave. Yeah. Wait, did David did David cuz I already went so maybe David, did you say one? No. Okay. I feel like I should know it. Hugo. The answer is Pan's Labyrinth. I should have known that. Name one beast in Hugo, Abe. Please tell me. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, Academy Award winner. <laughs> 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 Alright, moving on. Here's the next one. All of you that have never been listened to before and have seen your family killed, huh, hey. you know, yeah? Peace and No Nation. Peace and No Nation is the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> tagline, what's the tagline of that? Child Captive Killer. Oh, that's right, yeah, those are good posters. Here's the next one. The last one. Okay. Sure, as long as the machines are working and you called, you can dial 911, but you take those things away, you throw people in the dark, you scare the shit out of them. No more rules. Hmm. There's a more obvious one that I'm not yelling. <laughs> but it involves so not is, uh... going into something. Uh, Abe? Yeah? The Abyss? Nope. On the right track. Can't call nine one in a submarine. <laughs> they still have a, a, a telephone line. With the tagline's not helpful. It's fear changes everything. It's, it's on the right track with the abyss. Interesting. Well, as far as a what two word title, that's pretty straightforward. The descent. The answer is the mist. Ah, okay. Descent's a good one. I could have added that. No key quotes in that one, though. No. Ah! ah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me add these up here. Let me get to... This one. Let's see. Mark, Scott? Yeah. Mark, you are the winner of this week's games. Congratulations, yeah. Mark. Yeah. You did it. Congratulations. It's been a while since I won one of them. been a while. You're the king of the beasts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're Max and where the wild things are. <laughs> All right. Well, good job, Mark. Way to go. Good job. Thank you. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to. I'm a beast. Let's uh. <laughs> let's get down now. Presents what's out. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to out now. Presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming now on Blu-ray or DVD this week, mm-hmm. and there's a good number here. First up, Kubo and the Two Strings. Go see it. Buy it. That's a good one. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, next up is a uh, Hell or High Water. Also yeah, fantastic. Another good one. It's a it's a good week, and that ends quickly. Next up is Mechanic Colon Resurrection. Didn't see it. It's not terrible. 
Like okay. it's it, it has it's it's an it's not the best. It's like a middle of the road Jason Statham action movie. Okay. You mean it's not about fixing cars? <laughs> well, he he does fix things to die. I don't I don't know where to go. Aaron's a Batman writer in Hollywood. Next oh, up is a uh, yo- Next up is Yoga Hosers. Uh, that's the uh, that's the Kevin Smith Kevin Smith horror daughter movie project with Johnny Depp's daughter. Not very yeah. good, right? It's not very good. No. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Hands of Stone, starring Usher. Isn't that a, a boxing movie with the uh... with Usher? Yes. Did that just come out like two weeks ago in the theaters? No, it came out in August. Okay. Alright. None of us have any opinions on it. But, um... <laughs> no. Um, let's see. But it stars Usher. I just really wanted to. He's pissed Sugar Ray Leonard. I really I like saying Leonard. that out loud. I, I, I like saying that out loud. That makes me laugh. Um, let's see. IT. This is a movie with Pierce Brosnan. Um, oh, yeah, that one. Mm. Yeah. That's out. Yeah, uh, let's see. War, War Dogs. I heard mixed reviews on it. It's all right. Okay. Yeah, it has it's moments, but it's forgettable. Because like, I'm trying to remember it right now, and I'm having a tough time doing so. <laughs> but um, let's see. Return of the Living Dead Part Three comes out this week. I'm seeing it. A fan of the Return of the Living Dead movies. We talked about those on our horror episodes recently. Uh-huh. Um, also out. Speaking of horror, Chud. Is that an acronym? Yes, it is. Mark, have okay. you seen Chud? Do you remember uh, Chud? No, I never have, but I, I, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, uh, Chud. Chud um, stands for a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Got the, it. the one I really like is Chud 2, uh, Bud the Chud. Bud the Chud, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a joke. That really I know, exists. that's real. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> like Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. That title yeah. is better than the film. Bud the Chud. <laughs> Breaking 2's got some good stuff in there. Let's not understand Breaking 2. Breaking Two has a sweet dance scene where the where the where um what's his Bugaloo Shrimp is dancing in a room that's spinning as it goes. It's very clever. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, let's see. Rabid, David Cronenberg's film, a Scream Factory collector's edition is out for that film now. Cool. If you're a fan of uh, early Dave, early David Cronenberg. Uh, let's see. Also out on uh, Shout Factory this week, To Live and Die in L.A. I really like this movie. It's a William Friedkin cop drama with uh, William Peterson. Um, that has one incredible car chase, among other things, cool. including a score by Wang Chung. Um, it's very the 80s. Wang Chung? Yes, Wang Chung. Oh. What, what, are the, what is the other Wang Chung? <laughs> Who's the choreographer in all the Matrix movies? You, oh, Wing you Ping? and Ping. Never mind, okay. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Wing, Chung, well, no, Wing Chung is also a form of martial art that Bruce Lee studied, didn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Everybody all right, never Chung mind. Tonight. All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, on Criterion this week, The Squid and the Whale... Um, and from Noah Baumbach and One Eye Jacks with Marlon Brando. So uh, all kinds of things are out of Blu-ray this week. Varied, <laughs> a varied uh, yeah. sea of things. Mark, do you like the Squid and the Whale? No, the, I, I was that was the a, a period of uh, Noah Baumbach that I did not like. But yeah, I, I know I, liked, I know you're not a big yeah I know you're. I liked you like later your... day Noah Baumbach. So I like when we were young, and uh, what was the one he did with Greta Gerwig? Um black and white one yeah, uh, uh, what, uh what, what is that one it's good too um <laughs> hold on well, uh, she's... well he just because they just did mistress america that was like right. last year this year last year um, francis ha francis, francis ha, ha. There it is. Yeah, i liked i liked francis ha and i liked while we're young okay 
And then Mistress America, I actually didn't see that I, one. I never got to see that. I have it on... Uh... I know it's been on HBO a lot, and I'm always like, I should watch that at some point, because I do like Noah Baumbach. <laughs> I, like a lot, I like a lot of Noah Baumbach. There's some I don't like. I don't like Margot at the wedding, but I do like the squid and the whale. Like, I know what you're saying, because I, I think I have the same issue that right. you do with Noah Baumbach, but, that's, but I do like squid and the whale. I do think there's sure. some good... With Jeff Daniels and uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Um, well, I like... Um, I think Greta Gerwig was... Because she, uh, she was with uh, Noah Baumbach. I, I think that relationship was good for him because after they got together, he got a little bit more optimistic. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, in, in yeah. his worldview. His, his very, writing's less, very his writing's mystic before he met her. So. Yeah. And his writing's <laughs> less myth. The writing's less misanthropic. Like, so it's right. like, exactly. I can, they're more likable characters in some of these movies to follow along with. Um, so that's what's out now. Next up, extremely cool. These are movies that are now on, uh, Netflix that I could recommend. Uh, David, what was that one that you recommended? Just to bring that one up again. That was the Floyd Norman and his animated life, something like that. Okay, and uh, I noticed that Judge Dredd is on Netflix, so I'm not only not, recommending not Dredd, not Dredd, Judge Dredd with Sylvester yeah. Stallone. So I'm right. not I'm not recommending watching that film by yourself. I'm recommending watching that film and downloading the out now audio commentary that goes with it. along with it. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'd the also way like to, to add that Green Room is on Amazon Prime streaming. Green Room's on streaming on Amazon yeah. Prime? Amazon Great. Prime, yeah. Very good. I also saw that Sky High was on Netflix. That's just a fun movie. With with uh, Kurt Russell? With, with Kurt Russell, yep. yeah. I had Taekwondo with uh, Hamster Girl. I just, uh, I just saw, really? <laughs> Wait, you went to Berkeley. Okay. I just saw that they're they're going to work on Sky High, too. That's a thing that's in process. And maybe Hamster Girl will be in there. Um, Are they going to have to recast, or is this like, uh, like all new people? Well, let's see. When did Sky High come out? 2006? Because <laughs> wasn't that like 15 years ago? Two, that I think it's 2006, out. right? So, oh, um, 2005. So it's Sky High School Reunion. There you go. <laughs> That's hey, what it should be. Just, you, as long as Linda great, Carter's still in it. How great is that title, though? Sky High School Reunion. It works out. That's perfect. Game. Yeah. Okay. You're uh, next, next week's show. Next week's show, we're going to talk... Uh, well... Hey, John, Thanksgiving, we generally have like a lot of stuff going on. So uh, yes. I know we'll, we'll talk Moana for sure. I know that. Yes, that's correct. Do that. And we could probably talk Allied, too. The Brad Pitt, Marion Cotillard, yep. World War II drama. Um, and then we'll just see what else is. Because there's, there's a lot, a lot of things coming that are, out. Uh, there's a lot coming out, a lot spreading wider and stuff. So I'm sure we'll figure out a number of things to talk about. But I know Moana, for sure, we'll be talking about. Uh, and, and, uh, we'll see what else we come up with. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, let's see. Last thing we do here. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Mark Hoban, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Um, right now, I would rec- – well, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, I, I, I love Nocturnal Animals, so I, I probably would uh, give some love to that. Uh, in the most theaters, I think Hacksaw Ridge is probably the one that um, is a, a good film that – is playing pretty much everywhere, so that's also something I'd recommend. What are you planning to see next? And next, Moana. I'm, I'm seeing Moana on Tuesday. David, yeah, what should people go and see in theaters right now? They should see Fantastic Beasts. What are you going to see next? I have to, I have also plans to see Moana on Tuesday. Mona. <laughs> <laughs> 
Drowning Moana, starring Bette Midler. Okay. <laughs> Abe, what should people go and see in theaters right I now? I co-David exactly. Fantastic Beasts and next is Moana. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I'd say Fantastic Beasts is good to see. I'd like to see Edge of Seventeen get more views, because that movie deserves more money than it got this weekend. Um, Arrival's quite good. And Moonlight spread wide this weekend. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of more theaters playing Moonlight. There's a lot right of now. good stuff out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next, I'm seeing Hidden Figures. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, about the, uh, the black female mathematicians that helped out with NASA back in the day. So uh, I've heard a lot of good things about that one, so I'm looking forward to it. And it's starring uh, your – or not starring, but it features your favorite, Kevin Costner. You know, I, I only recently realized that, and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Took it down like, to the really, yeah, I did. <laughs> honestly did. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. You're like, oh, damn it. I, I can't it's win here. Can very I? much in the trailer. It's not like he's just like a side guy. He's the guy in charge of the department. So. I, haven't even, I haven't even seen the trailer. I've, I heard the premise, and I saw the poster. I saw just the poster, which doesn't have Kevin Costner on it. And I was like, oh, okay. That sounds neat. Like, and that was the extent of it. Wouldn't it be horrible if he was the hidden figure? <laughs> He does all the math. The twist. <laughs> it just, yeah. What a, what, what a twist. What a terrible Hollywood jerk move. <laughs> so is he, so he's the Emma Stone of this movie? Like the help? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. But uh, no, I'm still looking forward to it, for sure. And I do, I, I, I don't dislike later day Kevin Costner, so we'll see. We'll see if he proves up later his stuff. Later day Kevin Costner. <laughs> Older Kevin Costner's yeah. more tolerable Kevin Costner yeah. for me, so we'll see. Uh, with all of that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog at thecodeseek.com. All my written movie reviews are over there, as well as on whysoblue.com, where you can find all my AFI Fest reviews, as well as my Lira reviews. And you can follow me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more of Aaron's reviews over at thecodeseek.com, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag Mark Hoban is a beast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work online? Um, thank you for the shout out. Yeah. Uh, my uh, personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com, and then you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. David, yeah. You can find me on endorexpress.net for articles and theme park news, and then you can also find me on Instagram at the same place, endorexpress. And then my own personal account is Boy, C O H E T E B O Y. You can find all the other episodes over of Out Now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes and at Audioboom. Listen to us <laughs> over at SoundCloud, HHWLED, and also uh, Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts that you might have had on Fantastic Beasts and where to find them over at OutNowPodcast at gmail.com. Interact with us over at Facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast or you can tweet at us, Twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast. And feel free to go to our Tumblr page and give us plenty of Harry Potter gifts involving wands and saying random spells that mean nothing to me over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. I mean, honestly, they don't really mean anything to anybody else either. They don't really actually work in real life, Aaron. That you know, Abe. <laughs> the wizarding community is very secretive. Abe they don't just let no mages know what's going on. Good point. Yeah, I know it's a good point, Abe. I'm part of House Slytherin. I know a thing or two. <laughs> I should have changed my hashtag to House Aaron is Slytherin. Yeah, calm down, Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark, David, thank you both for joining thank us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was a pleasure. You, you are all fantastic beasts. <laughs> Thanks. Good. 
<laughs> I'm glad I earned that spot in your book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's been fun. Uh, until next time, when we uh, find out just uh, how great The Rock is at singing. Spoilers, he's pretty good at it. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. Bye. Bye. I exactly. had an add-on trivia of Cinnabon. You had an add-on trivia of uh, Sorting Cat. Yours is probably better. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>